podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. devastated and uh, I know Dillian well, White will bounce back. Well hello everybody and welcome to the 387th edition of the Boxing Asylum Notes podcast. I'm your host Steve Wellings. Joining me on the call we have Andy Patterson, Ozzy Smith and Adam Smith going live on YouTube 8 o'clock every Sunday. The Patreon RSS feed updates shortly after the show concludes. Hello to everyone listening throughout the week whether you're on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Amazon Podcasts. Welcome to you as well. Don't forget to leave a five-star review. Nothing less than five stars is acceptable. Talking of five stars, Adam Smido-Smith's with us here. That was a five-star performance by Alexander Povetkin last night. Did you see it coming, Smido? Were you aware that this is going to happen? Uh, well, I thought someone was going to someone was going to get to Dillian White sooner rather than later. I've been calling him for what he is for, for years. Um, I, I did not think that um, Povetkin would do it last night. Um, I know others did. I know Ozzy did, but I thought Povetkin was over the hill, you know, 40-odd 40, 40 years old now. Um, definitely seen better days, was getting soundly beaten by Michael Hunter and got a, a draw via robbery in his last... There, Smith. Hello. Am I the only one not hearing him, Andy? I don't hear him, mate. He's, he's just no, muted himself here. Yeah, he's gone on mute. Yeah, I wasn't sure. If it was Hello, me. you're still there. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, yeah, Smith, can hear you again. Yep, yep. So, yeah, I didn't, I didn't predict that um, Povetkin would win last night. Um, yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was over the hill, but that didn't stop me being elated when, uh, when that, when that mega punch landed um, that, that sparked Dillian White out. It was, it was brilliant. I mean, we're not being clever after the event here. Um, I've been calling Dillian White shit for years. Um, um, you know. He's got some credit and he's built a, a, up a bit of a, a following in this country for taking um, for taking tough fights, which is fair enough. Um, you know, we'll get onto the pay-per-view argument later, but, you know, um, take credit for fighting, for being a top 10 heavyweight and fighting other top 10 heavyweights can only get you so far. I mean, that, sh- that should be the norm in sport. Unfortunately, in this sport, it isn't. Um, but yeah, I, I was just, uh, I mean, there's only been a couple of occasions where I've woke the missus up through a reaction to, to fights. Um, Pacquiao Marquez, when, when Marquez knocked him out, that was one of them. Conor McGregor, when he knocked out Aldo, that I know that's the wrong sport. That was another. And then last night was another. She was asleep. Um, yeah. And I, I let out a bit, a bit of a, um, a splurge of, of, of swear words, um, get the fuck in along them lines. And, uh, yeah, f- fantastic. Um, I thought that, um, White was obviously winning um, two two knockdowns, although they're not as heavy as as what Sky and Matchroom would have you think. Um, but yeah, two knockdowns in the, I think it was the fourth round. Um, but it was set up absolutely beautifully by by Povetkin, who let's not forget is a you know Olympic gold medalist. 
Um, he was, you, you know, he's known for that over round right. That's obviously what White was expecting to come. He slipped round the side a little bit, created the angle, squared him up and landed a perfect, absolutely perfect left uppercut. Um, and it shouldn't be underestimated, really, that, it, you know, it is quite difficult to, to create that much power from a left uppercut or from, a, well, from any uppercut um, to knock out a 16 or 17 stone bloke. I mean, you know, you, that, that's why we don't see many um, uppercut knockouts, clean knockouts like that nowadays. And when we do, um, you know, they, they, they do look sensational. And that's what it was. Um, it's brought all sorts of things tumbling down. I mean, we're all sick of the, the narrative that goes with it. Um, it's brought all sorts of things tumbling down in terms of you know pay per view. There ain't many pay per view players, um, in, uh, particularly at Matchroom, other than other than Joshua. It's brought that tumbling down, or the WBC stuff, the mandatory this, that, and the other. Um, you know, I was reporting yesterday that even <clears throat> two people yesterday who I wouldn't even class honestly as casuals, they've attended a couple of shows and you know they watch um they watch bits and bobs. A couple of friends of mine um. But it separately said to me, "Oh well, you know, no one will fight. You no know, one will fight Dillian White." I think that, you know the the narrative spinning works. They're so good at it because they've got a pretty much a monopoly on the on the British market in terms of coverage and you know Sky Sports News and they're, they're decent on social. People buy into it and believe it, um, and you know, and I think rightly so. They've been they've been shown up for that last night. Um, back to the fight, I really enjoyed the the early stuff with the. Um, you know, both were going to the body knife. You don't see that all that much in them um, in heavyweight fights nowadays. I thought that was that was good to watch. Um, you know, White was trying with the jab. I thought White was in decent shape um, by hook or by crook, and you, you know, um, and Povetkin was looking slow to be honest. But he still got that technique, and and as they say, um, you know, the power is the last thing to leave you. And it was an absolutely sensational knockout. Twitter went off. It was glorious. I mean, it's a I mean, it's not even every year. It's maybe every two or three years, you know, we get Maidana beating Brona, you know, Povetkin beating White, you know, other and the other ones like that. It was absolutely glorious. It was sensational. And I've watched the clip, um, must have watched it 50 times at least. Um, what I would say is I was on the, uh, I got a stream um, and I ended up with the zone commentary, I think. And it had Darren Barker and another lad on. Um, and that was, I didn't have much problem with that. I thought that was decent, but everyone was moaning about Smith and the boys on the other, on the other channel. But I didn't witness that, thank God. Yeah, no moaning about the Smiths here. We've got Adam Smith, Ozzy Smith coming to you shortly. Ozzy, just before we do so, Ramez Mahmood has joined us on the call. How are you doing, Ramez? You keeping well? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. How are you guys doing? Not too bad at all. We're just talking about the big fight last night. I trust you saw it. What did you make of Povetkin knocking out Dillian White? Yeah, I did watch it and to be honest, it did come out of nowhere. I mean, I thought the first two rounds were quite nip and tuck. I, I actually gave Povetkin the first round. Um, but again, the first two rounds, there weren't a lot in it. Then Povetkin just went went bust in the fourth round, went down twice and then pulled out a piece of a shot in the fifth round. I mean, he set it up beautifully, threw a jab, sit on the inside and let the shot go. But yeah, just did not see it coming, to be fair. So fair play to him. Yeah, did a good job, didn't he? Uh, Ramez is 11-1 and one at the moment, uh, super bantamweight. You're one of the few boxers, Ramez, too, have actually fought during the pandemic. How was the experience, especially in camp? Yeah, it was, it was different. I mean, um, in camp, it, it was weird because we didn't have access to all the facilities that we probably would have used, so we had to adapt a lot. And then on fight week, we had to go to the hotel 
early in the week, quarantine the hotel, get our COVID test. So it was all a different scenario, but overall, I, I did enjoy the whole experience. Yeah, obviously you fought Chris Bork. Close fight, uh, just fell short at the end of the day. How did you see the fight overall? Yeah, it was unfortunate, and, and I've been kicking myself about every day since then. Um, I can't really argue too much about the scoring. There, there was two points in it. I finished the fight, well, I thought I won, um, I won rounds 9 and 10 in a few of the rounds earlier. Um, I kicked myself a little bit because coming back, coming back to the end of the 10th, I thought oh, maybe I had a bit more energy to start the pressure a bit earlier. So yeah, I've been kicking myself a little bit, but it's, it's something that I'll learn from and come back from. Yeah, what what about Chris Bork? How, how how good is he? How far do you think he'll go? Yeah, Chris Bork's a good fighter. We knew he was a good fighter going. I mean, he was a team GB as an amateur. Um, I think he's looking towards the British title now. I think he can more. I think he can definitely win the British title, and maybe beyond that. Um, I'd like I'd like to get a rematch at some point down the line. To be honest, for a bigger title, obviously I've got to rebuild while he goes and win, boxes for belts. But hopefully, I can build myself into that rematch, and hopefully, we can get on down the line at some point. Yeah, obviously you fought at Southern Area level, fought against a couple of guys, him and Jack Budge, both good uh, former amateurs. Is it English level for you, maybe? Do you think you can aspire to British level at some point yourself? Yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, actually for Bantamweight, it, there's not many boys about me. Brad Foster's won the British outright now, so mm. they talk of him vacating the British title. And I can't think of many other super Bantamweights in Britain that, that can compete for it. Obviously, Chris is going to be ahead of me in, in that picking order. Um, but I can't think of too many, so I feel like that leaves an opening for me. So if I could get maybe a comeback fight or an eliminator, then it puts me right in the mix for that. Yeah, tell us about your training situation, Ramez. Who do you train with? Where are you based? Well, I'm managed by Mickey Amu and trained by his son, Mickey Amu Jr. So we're based in Loughton. We train out in Loughton. We've got a good little stable going on there. So um, we've got Ryan Walker as part of our stable as well. He's fighting Lee McGregor this coming week. Yeah. And then um, we've got another young 4 and prospect and Jordan Dujon as well so we've got a nice small team but we do work hard yeah absolutely so obviously we're looking to move past area level are there any initial talks about what's coming next for you I know it's early days because you only fought recently yeah it's hard to say I mean I won the southern area at the weight above against Jack Budge and then box for it against Chris Bork as well and I feel like all three of us me Jack Budge and Chris Bork are sort of without sound disrespectful to, to the area level I feel like we're all beyond the area level huh. um so I do want to box beyond that for like an English or British, as you mentioned. And just with the way the world is today, it's hard to say what's going to come next. You don't know when shows are going to come or which phone calls are going to come or which opportunities are going to come. So it is hard to say. But I've been back in the gym for a few weeks now, um, keep myself in shape in case anything does come up. Uh, tell us about the uh, wider boxing situation. Obviously, we saw Dillian White losing, AJ's lost as well, Deontay Wilder's lost. The heavyweights is usually the marquee division. Tyson Fury, you'd say, by virtue of him not being defeated by anybody, is at the top of the tree now? Yeah, def as he tests Fury at top of the tree. And I've always thought to myself that um, Tess Fury beats Joshua quite comfortably. And now with um, Dylan White losing last night, it sort of eliminates that mandatory situation as well. So... He, his mandatory is not going to get called in February um, so it does leave the door open for a potential AJ and Fury fight obviously they've got to come through their respective fights first but hopefully that fight can happen down the line Yeah just finally Ramez and we do thank you for your time so you've obviously boxed on BT Sport you've got Frank Warren there you've got uh, Eddie Hearn Matrium doing pay-per-views how healthy do you think the sport is in Britain at the moment overall? Oh it's fantastic I mean um, it, you see loads of people moaning about competitiveness and uh, and arguing about the numbers that they're delivering but we had a, like, two three months without boxing 
let's just enjoy the boxing now. I mean, this show's coming a few times a week. We're just going to enjoy it. Eddie Hearn's fight camp was unbelievable. I really enjoyed it. Frank Warren's shows have been really good. MTK are doing good shows. Even Mick Hensley was back last night on terrestrial TV. I think he's in a really, really healthy position. And all the fighters, that, like small fighters like myself and a few others, weren't getting opportunities before. But now that we're sort of keeping it within Britain, fighters that would never normally get opportunities are getting the opportunities. I mean, for example, me and Chris Bork probably wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for the pandemic. Um, and many other fights probably wouldn't have happened if it wasn't, if it wasn't for the pandemic. So, um, yeah, it's in a healthy situation right now. Yeah, one thing just occurred to me there as well. You obviously nicknamed the Math and Magician. You're school teaching as well at the same time, aren't you? I am, yeah, yeah. So um makes that a bit harder, but I've, I've managed it well so far. No discipline issues, I wouldn't have thought. No, nah, no discipline issues at all, to be fair. And a lot of the students who probably play up for other teachers don't play up for me because we sort of relate on the same wavelength. Yeah. And I would advise that it's not just from their maths. That's, I can give them lifestyle advices and um, help them with... Um, just little things that may help them move forward. Lovely stuff. Any social media presences, Ramez, where the guys can follow you? Yeah, I'm, I'm active on all social media, to be fair. Um, I'm on Instagram, which is RamezMahmood94. My Twitter is just Ramez underscore Mahmood, and you can just type my name on Facebook and find me on there. So I'm active on all of them. Brilliant stuff. Go and give them a follow, everybody. Thanks for giving us your time tonight, and best of luck going forward, Ramez. Appreciate that. Yeah, thanks for having me. All the best, dude. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers. Bye-bye. Ramez Mahmood there. Yeah, he spoke really well, actually. Good luck to him going forward. Always good to get a new voice on the pod, especially when they can string a sentence together. One man who has no problem stringing sentences together is Ozzy Smith. Here, Ozzy, here. How about this for a prediction from friend of the pod, Simon Alavey? He sent this in to me. He put it up on Facebook um, sometime on Saturday afternoon. I'm on his Facebook, so I can I can legitimize this. He said, right, prediction time. Povetkin, TKO or KO in round five. Only other possibility is a close white points decision via the usual Eddie card. Povetkin is only beaten by Vlad and Joshua and a draw with Hunter, who boxed with Olympic gold medal pedigree, while White finds the KO left hook against fighters that keep in that mid-range and aren't technically astute. Povetkin is no joke, an inside fighter with robust fundamentals and a devastating left hook himself. So I'll stick to round five, says Simon. Luck runs out in boxing. I like White, but Chisora won and the Parker uh, head but not called are examples. We've also seen what happens when fighters look ahead at other fights too early. 50 to 1, round 5. All over it, Simon Alevi. Fucking hell. Well done, mate. Hopefully he had money on that yeah. one, mate. What, what a good show. Um, and it, it's kind of similar to what I said last week, that I couldn't confidently go into the fight backing somebody who has gone life and death with Chisora twice. He's dropped heavy off Joseph Parker. And was fortunate in that Parker fight with the headbutt, which counted as a second knockdown, which wasn't. Um, you then had, he was dropped heavy off Oscar Rivas and then arguably lost to Marius Wack. So Povetkin, whilst, yes, he's a shadow of what he was a number of years back, still possesses skills. Look, this guy was a top, heavy, um, top amateur heavyweight and has only lost to the best. Um, so I said myself that I was going with a Povetkin knockout inside six rounds. I certainly wasn't as specific as where Simon's gone with round five, but it really didn't surprise me. Uh, I thought um, the fight itself, I would say White was ahead, but it was prior to round four, it was very close. Um, probably shaded Povetkin in round, certainly in round one, 
Uh, it frustrated me that, actually. I thought Povetkin's work was very good, landed, invested in that body early. And it was frustratingly ignored by the commentary, um, just completely ignored. And the one replay shot was just a jab to Povetkin's um, face, which you can see the agenda immediately. Uh, White certainly took over, and round four was a big round for him. Uh, but I agree with Smid, and I thought Povetkin was buzzed, but not massively hurt, if you get my drift. He, he wasn't on, like, spaghetti legs. And I think White knew that because he didn't really go in for, you know, like, targeted a fighter, you know, who thought, right, they're there to be taken out. Uh, but round five, uh, what a shot. What a shot. This wasn't a lucky shot. This wasn't, you know, he's just winging it in for, you know, like, with, like, 30 seconds to go and just doing all he can. It was it was set up. He um, he'd invested in that body. Looked like he was going to throw it. Um, disguised it. Bang! Uppercut, and it was lights out for Dillian White. And a tremendous shoot, tremendous, tremendous shot. Um, and deserved, of, of course, it was. They've clearly spotted something. Uh, the uppercut is clearly an Achilles heel of Dillian White. Knocked out twice now. I think Rebas dropped him with an uppercut as well. So it's not, you know, unsurprising what's happened there. Uh, and, yeah, just o o overall, um, certainly a shock. Uh, I wouldn't dub it an upset. I think the bookies have got quite a few uh, prices wrong, and I certainly felt there was value with Povetkin when he was priced at 7-2. to two. And as we say that, White, uh, White he's, he's no mug Dillian White, but he's not the phenomenon that Sky make him out in this feared fighter um they conveniently forget that he has turned down two final eliminators and a shot against anthony joshua in the past two years so you know he's not this feared fighter and he chose to fight the likes of chisora and rivas instead uh, but no it's look it's a lot it, it is a long road back for him because you don't know what sort of um you know like regulations they're going to be in to get povetkin back um would White consider going to Russia? Maybe the Russians will put the money up this time, you know, and take White over there. Um, we don't, we don't know. We we don't know what's going to happen, but certainly, look, the, the rematch is certainly winnable for Dillian White. But again, he's always going to be vulnerable, and now he knows he can be knocked out. And that, like I said, that wasn't just a sustained beating; that was a one punch knockout. Um, we've seen him hurt, and this has been coming. I put a post out before on Twitter saying. Um, basically, this last night was a long time coming for Dillian White because he has struggled with fighters, has been dropped, he's been hurt. And a lot of people were saying that, oh, and I, and I said Povetkin was one step too far. That wasn't me saying White was out of his depth because he clearly wasn't. But him being knocked out last night was not a surprise for a guy that has been dropped off Rivas and Parker and hurt, lost against Wack when he was out of shape. His last, his best performance of recent memory was probably against an out of shape Lucas Brown. Um, but like I said, he'll certainly be back. He's got the correct backing to do that. But in terms of a world title shot, that uh, that ship has that ship has sailed for now, and it's a long way away. 
Certainly has. We have a question for Smido. He seems to have disappeared at the moment. Uh, Liam Liam says, is Tommy calling in to discuss his fight? He's more than welcome. The link's there if he wants to come on. I know he's listening because he dropped a super chat into us there at Lockdown Boxing. That's where Tommy's operating these days, over at Lockdown Boxing. Uh, super chats are available if you want to throw a bit of value back our way, if you enjoy what we're doing. Don't forget to hit the thumbs up button as well, or the thumbs down if you think we shit all those lovely things. Uh, Champions League's affecting us, Andy. Numbers are down. Only just slightly above the 6,000 mark, which is a bit unfortunate, but um, the Champions League taking precedence us over, over us at the moment. Have you said everything you, you wish regarding the fight last night? Anything else that occurred to you? Um... Yeah, well, obviously, I mean, the, my prediction last week was to have Pavek, uh, Pavek going to get taken out late. Um, and it looked like he was on his way as well, actually, after that fourth round. You're just thinking, you know, even after the second knockdown, I didn't even think quite was actually even urgent to try and end it and stuff. Maybe he was a bit more, more respectful about Pavek and that, maybe wary about it. Um, as I say to you, that, I mean, I was, I was high as a kite last night. I, mean, I, I love. I love moments like that. You know, I love, you know, Ozzy says it's no much an upset. I, I kind of think it was because he was brought in there for a reason and that was to try and maybe look quite, look good. And they, they probably gamble thinking that, okay, he's 41, he's probably there to be taking and stuff. But, um, now you go back and think about it, like, so for example, he's been hurt, as, as Ozzy mentioned and that about Parker and etc. And then obviously he got hurt off the uppercut of, of Joshua and that and Pavetkin's just done him with that left uppercut as well. It's just, I just love that. And I was literally on the floor last night. Not, not so much laughing, but I just fucking love moments like that. Just to me, it was an upset, and um, absolutely, it was well deserved and stuff. Because um, both guys were, because I says banging left hooks to the body and stuff. Um, quite was okay with the jab and stuff. Um, I had to laugh at Macklin the day when he says that Pivet can never win a round. <laughs> well, wait a minute, he certainly won round five anyway. That's what I know. But, um, good, that reminds good. me, Andy, of that old thing when you know they say, "Oh, he was boxing really well. He was boxing really well." And you know, like a guy who gets knocked out in the second round, he was doing so well up until the knockout. Or I quote Macklin that he was shot to pieces. He looked shot to pieces until he uncorked the left uppercut. But uh, oh, if it wasn't for the cut, Andy, that's another one. If it wasn't aye. for the cut, he would have won. Yeah, well, the guy punching him in the face sort of caused the cut. So. <laughs> You, you, you know it's a big moment my dad doesn't watch boxing any much these days and stuff like that but you know it's a big moment when he actually like phones you up and says did you see that fucking knockout last night <laughs> I went aye I've been talking about it all night uh, aye it was fantastic and stuff it was good to see Pivetkin uh, get, get a hero's welcome at the airport and stuff like that so uh, he was home with his wife now and he's probably left that minge looking like an empty headlock so uh, best luck to such a Pivetkin yeah <laughs> <laughs> he's walking, walking funny all day if anybody wants to come on you're more than welcome uh, the stream uh, link is available just let me know and I'll hit you up with it we did do a post-fight pod last night so if uh, you want to hear a bit more White Pavetkin we did about an hour and 10 minutes straight after including uh, footage from Jason Chukwu he says I can't talk I'm doing a shift thanks for that clarification he was talking last night on the way home what about the undercard Ozzy? Any uh, Taylor, Pursoon? Uh, I thought Pursoon won the fight, to be honest. I mean, I'm not one of these guys who just says you keep coming forward. I don't have a particular style. Like I'm, I'm not going to always favour the come forward boxer or the back foot boxer. Just try to sit, say what I see. And it just seemed to me, I know she was missing a lot. I know she was rough, tough, rugged. I know she was ugly in style and in features. But I just thought Pursoon did enough to win the fight for me. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, I certainly think it was close. Um, but I, I had Pursoon winning the fight. Um, yes, Taylor is the better boxer, but sometimes that it, that it doesn't mean you deserve to win the fight. And I thought Pursoon's pressure, she landed such shots. She's got an awkward technique, and I just think she's one of them that will always be in a close fight with Katie Taylor. Uh, and there's an argument you could say she's won both fights now. 
bizarrely, she seemed not too disappointed with the result last night. But we've seen that before with fighters, and then when they watch the fight back, think, actually, I deserve to win that. Uh, I, I wouldn't say it's a robbery. You know, I, I thought the fight last time was certainly more controversial. I wouldn't say it's a robbery uh, this time round. I think a draw would have been a fair result as well. Uh, but the one card that narks me is the 98-93, and that was from Victor Lachlan, I think it was. And it is an appalling card. Absolutely abysmal. Uh, I just don't know how he scores it like that. And it, and a fight earlier on the undercard as well, he turned in a stinker when he had Jack Cullen beating Zach Chelly. He's had two stinkers, Victor Lachlan, last night. He should be made to explain these cards. Uh, he really should because it, it does not show boxing in a fair light. And people bang on about the UK, you know, yeah, it's great for boxing. It is one of the worst places to come to to get an away decision now. Point proven last night. Tasha Jonas, I know she's a UK fighter, but again was pinched on the cards. We've seen it all year, for, probably for the past two or three years now. The amount of debates where we've had where it's been an excellent fight, yet the judges' cards like mar the decision, and it's so frustrating. And it's not the first time Lachlan has done this. I'm sure he turned in a very poor card. I think it was it was it Josh Taylor, Victor Postal. Did he only give Postal like one round or something like that, or yeah. two rounds at best? Wasn't he something to do with the infamous Zach Parker? Oh God, who was that other fellow? Wasn't he? Carol Williams. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Was, yeah, yeah. I can't remember. I'm not sure on that. It rings a bell, but I know he was. He turned in an awful card, basically just pissing all over Postal uh, when he boxed Taylor. And and look, I used to rate Lachlan. I think he's an excellent referee, to be fair, but. As a judge, it just doesn't work out for him. And these cards become more and more frustrating. Uh, and again, like, look, I, I always say I'm not a massive fan of women's boxing. But what I will say is that the three women's fights um, throughout fight camp, which were uh, Courtney Ball, uh, Jonas Harper and Taylor against Pursoon, I've really enjoyed. I've really enjoyed. And I think that's because, and I always say it, the competitive when you see these like puddings flown over from like Bulgaria, who literally look, they've pulled somebody off the um, off the street. They're a waste of time, and they are like, they are shocking, like journeymen. They're, they're appalling. But when they are competitive, they've been okay. They've been enjoyable, and I think if they could do three minute rounds, you would certainly see more knockouts. And I don't see why they don't do it. To be honest, they wear the same size gloves. They make the same weight. So why aren't they doing three-minute rounds? What is the justification for not? Uh, and I think naturally knockouts bring more attention, uh, regardless of what level, whether it's an area-level fight or a world-level fight. If there's a big knockout, it draws in views and attention. Just and on say, that, Aussie, sorry to interrupt yeah. you. I, I made the point last night as well. It seemed weird that you had a unified, all the belts on the line fight, and it lasted effectively for 20 minutes. You know, it just it seemed really strange. Yeah, exa exactly. Um, I mean, it was a 10-rounder, wasn't it, last night? Yeah, 10 twos. Yes, yes, so why is it not a 12-rounder? Why are they not doing 12 rounds as well? Why is it only 10 rounds? Like, why not? Um, and I, I don't know. I've never known an explanation. Uh, certainly, as you know, like women's boxing is developing. What? Why are they not even considering it? Um, it it's something that should happen. And I certainly think it would bring about more interest um, in that. I think Pursoon could have got Taylor out of there last night if it was three-minute rounds. 
because her, her work rate is unbelievable. Uh, and Taylor gets drawn into the war, and it just it just doesn't suit her whatsoever. And Taylor can box when she boxes moves; she'll nullify a lot of people. But when she gets torn into a war because she doesn't have that power, um, it just goes against her. But what we don't know, what we may see in the future. Again, I'd like to see a rematch. If not, the fight I'd want to see is, I think we'll see, is probably Taylor McCaskill. Um, or, and I campaign for it all the time. It is Taylor against um, Chantel Cameron, which would be great. And I think that would be a very competitive fight as well and an enjoyable one. Uh, the rest of the undercard, well, I just touched on before, Zach Chelly, uh, I felt he was robbed. I felt this was a really poor result. Um, again, on the cards, I thought Chelly's, um, yeah, face was marked up. That was done early in the fight, but he didn't let it deter him. And he took over, excellent jab. Um, and he, he broke, he, he basically he beat up Jack Cullen, um, who I know is tight at 160, but has got, if he wants a career, needs to operate at 160. The guy is just not big enough at 168. Um, I think he weighed in at I think he weighed in at like 164 pounds. That's four pound under the you know like the weight limit. It's just it shows that you know you, it's like you're going up. I'd get it if it was you know a last minute fight, but this wasn't. And I think 168 is probably just a bit too big for him because that eight pound is a big difference, and you're going to be facing bigger guys that could probably operate like heavyweight. Uh, Chris Congo was pretty much punch perfect against Luther Clay. Thought it'd be a lot closer, personally. Mulled it over. I heard a lot of good things about Congo. Uh, it used to be Morrow uh, managed by Mo Pryor. And it, Mo Pryor told me, like, Congo is one to watch. Big unit, uh, isn't he? Yeah, he is. He's, he's huge. And and he, 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 again, beat up Clay. who looked good early on, to be honest. And I certainly don't think it's the end of the road for Luther Clay either. But Congo was a level above. And this was his big step-up fight. And he came through with, with flying colours. Uh, and bar that, I think, what else was there? That Alan Babich, um, couldn't care about him. Uh, beat up some random American guy who I've never heard of. Babich just battered him. Uh, and I think that was it, wasn't it, Steve? Or am I missing one other fight? Um, That's it. No, I think Cullen, that was... Yeah, Cullen, Babich, yeah. main event, Taylor. And that's it, yeah. And Clay Congo, so yeah. Overall, um, I, I quite enjoyed it actually. I, I, give, I, I still maintain that I don't believe it was like pay per view worthy. I know we're all like buzzing with the result and stuff like that, and and the huge KO people kind of you know deject away from, um, you know like paying for it. But like I said, the chip they were competitive on the undercard, which is all you can ask for. But just before I shut up, um, and it might be another talking point for us all is I thought the commentary commentary uh, particularly for the for the, the main event and in the title fight was appalling. Um, and it's happened throughout. And I, I like Matthew Macklin. Um, and I, I think he's a very knowledgeable guy, but I just think he's too swayed towards the, the home fighter now. Um, he, he did it against Jonas um, when he just praised Harper. Uh, he did it for Courtney um, and things like that. It's just, it's frustrating, really frustrating. And like I said, like Povetkin was landing shots and it was just completely ignored, completely ignored. And it's frustrating. Look, we're not idiots. And when you see a lot of people, you know, like not not the hardcore fans moaning about the commentary, you know there's an issue there. Some will always be swayed by it. They'll say something and they believe it. 
And that's always going to be an issue with, you know, mainstream media. But it ruins a product. And we're not thick. You, you, you can see, you know, like you hear something, you think, am I looking at this right? And then in reality, you know, and it just proves that you get all this shit off people going, you've never boxed, you don't deserve an opinion. But then you hear people on Sky, BT, Channel 5, analysing a fight, and it's so biased, you just think, well, why the fuck do you deserve an opinion when you just can't call what you see? It's just, it's it's downright biased, and it ruins what can be a decent product. Um, and it's a shame that, again, we end up talking about commentary and judges' cards when last night a lot of the fighters were entertaining. Yeah, we've had this discussion before, and I think it's because they're there trying to sell you a product. They're not objective enough. I think the whole thing's become a bit too comfortable. It's a bit too cuddly. Everyone's all mates and that, and there's no objectivity anymore. I mean, on HBO back in the day, obviously they were pushing the product, but you mean you had Larry Merchant after one fight, basically just standing in front of the camera and saying, we've basically served you up crap tonight. I'm not saying they have to go to that extent, but you want a bit of critique, Ian Dark. I mean, you know, going back to these old days, all these boring old cunts here, they go again. But, you know, the likes of Ian Dark and Glenn McCrory and all that, and they... There used to be a bit more objectivity and they weren't necessarily trying to sell you something, trying to sell you a story and a narrative and everything has to be on point. And I know they're a business. I know they're there to make money. I appreciate that. But they're, they're selling they're selling you bullshit, man. Like Ozzy says, you're seeing something in front of your own eyes and it's not computing with what you're thinking. This guy's great. He's brilliant. He's going to be a world champion. You're thinking, he looks pretty bang average to me. Why? And that, that sways people. And I just want a bit more objectivity and a bit more truth telling, man. We need a bit more truth on a Sunday night. That's why I've got you on tonight, Smith, though, to tell the boxing truth. I know you've become a bit of a UFC stroke MMA supporter lately. We're, we've had a question coming for you from Leon of the Boxing Coalition. He's been on the pod a few times. Good guy, Leon. Reactivated his Twitter just for this white Pavekin moment. He said, Smido, what fights out there do you believe are pay-per-view worthy? My take is one or two, but I'm never willing to pay for another pay-per-view again. Too many vampires getting rich off this sport. We need to starve them to death. What's going on with pay-per-view, Smid? Well, I mean, there's been a lot of chat about this over the years by me and others, and rightly so. I just think that um, I'm a clear example of it. Um, I was looking through Dillian White's record the other day, um, and his last, I think, four fights, um, I've not, I've not seen any of them live. Um, two or three of them, I've not seen at all. Um, I've seen a couple of clips of the Rivas fight and the Parker fight, but I've not watched um, a single round in full. Never mind the whole fight. So, so yeah, the example is, is me. You know, former um, hardcore boxing fan. I've been up and down the country. I've been international to watch fights as well. Um, but yeah, the, the the standard of pay-per-view has, has, has fallen that far that it's that it is literally losing fans. And and I'm one of them. Um, I used to be. I mean, I used to be on the podcast every week. I used to be doing the blogs and stuff like that. But you know, I've not been on on the podcast for months. And the simple reason for that is I've not been watching boxing because anything, basically anything above British level. Is um you know ends up on 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 Sky Box Office and it costs you twenty quid um and you know people will say oh well don't, don't bother watching it then but that's sad really when you think about it it's it's I mean I'll get over it obviously it's but it's a little bit sad for me from from someone who used to love the sport and and follow it you know to to the nth degree I mean you're talking to someone that's got in up in the middle of the night to watch um. Hopkins against um, Shumanov and someone who's been watching Japanese cards, you know, Yamanaka in, on the, in the middle of the day on a Wednesday. I remember I booked an half day off work so I could come home and watch a Russian card on a Wednesday with the Russian hammer. Like, 
you know, but that's all that's all gone now. Um, and that's why it was glorious last night that the the pay per view pack of cards, if you like, has taken a real hit. Um, other than AJ, Matchroom haven't really got um, any anyone pay pay per view worthy on, on their own. Um, and Dillian White has been created into into one of them. Um, and I think that's what increases the hate, if you like. I mean, I'm not normally one for for, for getting on the um, Brit hating bandwagon just for a bit of banter on Twitter. I, I, you know, I, I try not to do that. I mean, I'm one of the only one of the only um, Carl Froch fans, really, that you know admits it. And so, you know, and that was kind of against against the grain. But yeah, it's built. It the 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 last night's outpour of hardcore emotion, if you like, um, was partly down to Dillian White personally, but also partly down to the bullshit that goes with it, and that includes pay-per-view. Um, and they're only doing it because they can get away with it. Um, people, you know, people forget us, we're not the target market for pay-per-view, but there must be enough people buying Dillian White pay-per-views to justify doing it over and over again. And there used to be outrage to start with, um, you know, but you know when I, I think I, I think I lost my shit when they put um, Parker on against uh, or Chisora pay per view against White or some. I remember like at the time everyone was like really you know, questioning it and up in arms. But now they announce a pay per view like you know White against Povetkin, you know, and I've said it earlier, Povetkin, forty years old, was soundly losing his last fight. Dylan White's never won a title above British level, and us lot, the 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 hardcore and the boxing asylum fans don't even blink an eyelid like like it's just it's just they've they've, they've made it beco- become the norm um and partly to do with that is because everyone can just go team stream so there's no point in being outraged um like like to you guys it don't make any difference because you're you know you're going to get your fire stick on or get your stream on or xme whatever it is it so there's no so there's no financial need for the outrage um but yeah what um in the, uh, in the, it, it what Pay-per-view used to be for the biggest fights um, that couldn't be made without it. Um, and, it, you know, it used to happen two, two or, or you know, well, two times a year, really. But, you know, going back to the um, the Ricky Atten against Costa Zoos, like that fight, really, I think was in 2005, wouldn't have happened without pay-per-view because, you know, even even selling 18,000 tickets in the MEM wasn't enough to to bring Zoo over, etc. And, you know, fights like that. But now, I mean... Like I say, I mean, Oscar Rivas, like, who's, like, I had to box wreck that man. I didn't even know who that was. I'm like, like, you know, Povetkin has been over plenty of times. He's got plenty of money in the bank. Um, you know, so they're just doing it because they can get away with it. I, I mean, that there's hardly any fights left in this, in this country, really, between two Brits that, I mean, Brooke Horn, possibly, you know, they're greedier than what they do at this stage in their careers um, I, don't, I mean there's the obvious ones with AJ but as I've said for years years that in this country the boxing is AJ and everyone else now don't get me wrong Tyson Fury in the last year or so has, has, has possibly made that into a two-man tier at the top which is fair enough but you know other than those two guys we've got plenty of good boxers knocking about but we haven't got plenty of personalities or pay-per-view stars um, so away from them there's, there's not a lot but yeah, it's just like to say it's ter- it's turned me off. Um, I just refuse to pay it. Um, I'm not the most tech savvy, so you know fights are passing me by. Dillian White uh, against the likes of Rivas and Parkers of this world, they are passing me by because I just can't be asked with trying to get a, 
starting to get a stream, basically. And one thing I will add um, is regards to women's boxing. Um, last night's undercard, really, was was shit for, for pay-per-view standards. But as, as, as Ozzy said, you know, there was a couple of good fights on there, domestic that were good for, for the hardcore kind of fan. That ain't me. Like last night, 24 hours ago, I couldn't have even told you what weight um, Chris Congo and whatever his name was, Clay, fought at. Like I didn't even know what weight they were. Um, same with that Cullen fella as well. But I think that women's boxing is being used, A, because it's cheaper, and B, because it's easier to, to, to find a world title. And they can say, oh, yeah, well, there's a world title unification. Yeah, on yeah, there. exactly. I do not give a shit about women's boxing. Like, there's not enough people that, that will admit to that will admit to that nowadays. Like, it wasn't too long ago that Frank and Eddie a little bit a few years ago were saying, oh, women's boxing don't do it for me. I'm not sure, not sure. Now they've got on it because... Should because look at Frank Maloney. He, he went for years trying to stop them women yeah. from boxing, then yeah. he become one. Because, <laughs> well, you might get a fight. Um, because, it, yeah, because it's cheap and it's easier to find world title opportunities for people like, um, or so-called world title opportunities for people like Terry Harper, um, who, you know, have only had a handful of fights because the pool of the pool of the participants isn't there. Um, it doesn't do it for me. It never has. Um, fair play to him for cracking on. I think Katie Taylor, personally, is a, is a great ambassador. But I've never watched one of her fights. I don't care. Do not care. But they're just using that. So, you know, it used to be, back in the day, it used to be um, a Jamie McDonnell regular title that would that would bring the 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 world the, uh, the so-called world title um to the pay-per-view equation now it's just women's i mean it, to, to think that dillian white has now headlined four or five pay-per-views without ever contesting a world title it is insane to think to think about that in pay-per-view terms you know from what it was a few years ago it, it, it's madness like i say they've, they've got away with it um they've like I said earlier, they've virtually got a monopoly on it. I know, I know, Frank's there bubbling away in the background, but they have virtually got a monopoly on boxing on this country, and and I think that they're, they're taking the piss. I mean, we was once told years ago that you know if the main event ain't that great or it's not a world title, then we're going to have a monster undercard to support it. That's gone out the window. We were then told that pay per view money was going to be reinvested from AJ. That seems, you know, that seems to have gone out the window. It's basically next gen, Newcastle, or pay per view. Like that's literally what I can't, I can't like describe it in any other terms than that, and that's what we've got in this country, unfortunately. And it's going to be absolutely crazy that um, Lomachenko and Lopez, hopefully, when that happens, um, is going to end up on British TV, hopefully, um, and, it, and we won't have to pay for it yet. We have to pay for Dillian White against a against a multiple drugs cheat who's forty one years old in a couple of years. Madness. Madness. Yeah. No, I, th- I think it was the point where Sky already or both saw that how lucrative the pay-per-view market could be tapped. And do you remember when Sky said, oh, we, we want six to eight pay-per-views a year? Whenever that switch came, where it wasn't just, you know, you had to then go out and find pay-per-views. You had to find pay-per-view stars to yeah. fill slots. That was when the storyline changed. And someone like a Dillian White, who isn't really a pay-per-view fighter, he's a decent fighter, nothing really against White, but then you build him up into this you know, you build up this scaffolding around him into something that he's not, and Povetkin just smashed it down last night. I think that has come from this contrived nature that you have to fit people, shoehorn them, Smido, into pay-per-view slots. Yeah, and, and like I say, I think it's a bit, you know, they're lucky a little bit with Dylan White. They didn't have Dylan White from the from the start. He was he wasn't meant to to beat Joshua. You know, he was he was. I don't think he was even signed to match him for the Joshua fight. They've they've kind of fell into the Dylan White. And do not get me wrong, Dylan White has been in some very entertaining fights. But that doesn't make him a pay-per-view star. 
Um, so you know, there's a lot of things that have gone into the to the Dylan White hot pot that, that, that creates an explosion on, on Twitter last night. And we all look like haters because we're delighted that he's been iced. Like, I can make like sad, but like I could hardly put into words how happy I was when that happened last night. Like I'm, I gamble every day, right? And I did not need to gamble on that to get the, to get a warm feeling out of that. I'll tell you that now, it was, it was brilliant. Smido getting a warm feeling on a Sunday evening. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Paul Massingham threw something in last week, and I forgot to read it out. But he sent up a follow-up message, which I will read out now before being wrapping Rob Kelly in on the call. Eighty-four quid to collect at the bookies rounds one to six Povetkin. Again, Paul did go for this. One thing that the last thing to go is your power. He proved that. Surely Povetkin will take step aside cash for Fury versus AJ to go ahead. Also, Paul added in Pursuit fight was disgusting. Had Taylor winning first three rounds. After that, all Pursuit. I think Taylor looked embarrassed when she got the decision. Matthew Macklin's one of the most biased commentators. You can tell who pays his wages, says Paul. What about that from Fox B, Rob? Uh, that comment on the screen. Yesterday was an Irish tax on all Taylor fans. <laughs> You know, as excited about that comment as me, Rob. I thought it was quite funny. <laughs> was that for was that me, Well, sorry, I'm doing yes. the reception slightly bad. Are you okay? I was just saying there, Fox B put a message in the chat oh, saying no, yesterday was an back. Irish tax on all Taylor fans. <laughs> yeah, I thought I thought she lost the fight. I thought, like I said yesterday, I was when I was saw I saw the first five rounds, and then I turned my back to talk to someone for two minutes and then it was the 10th round because you forget how quick the rounds go in women's boxing so I didn't really see it all until today Um, I kind of feel sad for I feel like she's been a little bit ex well, she's not being exploited like a little bit but I feel like they're kind of using her like Katie Taylor had two Olympic campaigns she had two world amateur cha- I don't know countless how many ta- how many world amateur championships she won before they had women's Olympics. Then she had two Olympic campaigns. Then she turned over and went pro, and she's been active as fuck for the last two to three years, smashing up these girls that are not good enough for her. And I think Persoon's just a boogie boogie woman for her. Um, I think she just has the be- better of her, or just has the beating of her. Uh, and... Um, it was a pity that Persoon didn't get at least one of those decisions. I, I think last night was even closer than the New York one, looking at it. Um, but Katie Taylor, like, I mean, technique-wise, skill-wise, she's she's fantastic. She's brilliant. She's done so much for women's boxing. I mean, there probably wouldn't be all these pay-per-view fights or these women's, or not pay-per-view fights, but these women's world title fights on TV if it wasn't for Katie Taylor. So she is a credit to her sport. Um but a lot of the commentary last night was she's landing the classier shots. Like, even on the zone card, like, they're fed this coming forward, but she's missing a lot. Look at these guys and all these casuals, and everybody needs to know how to score around. You need to look at effective aggression, ring generalship. And basically, Katie Taylor was boxing on her, getting on her bike at times of the fight, but she was getting on her bike because she had to, and Persoon was putting her there. It was like she was throwing a couple of flashy shots, and then she was skating out and she you know she was being elusive she was on the bike because person was putting pressure on her and she was you know uh, controlling the ring generalship she was controlling the effective aggression and maybe katie had a better clean punches landed and defense but people don't know how to score a fight man and honestly i don't i don't know how you could score that fight for for taylor as clearly as that especially that wide card that was a shocker man that was an absolute shocker that what was that 98 93 or something 
pathetic. Mm. But you know what you're going to get from Matchroom. You know what you're going to get from at this stage. But I'd like to see her hang it up at the moment. I, don't, I really don't think, I really don't see what she has left to prove at this stage. And you know, um, high-level athlete, Olympic medalist, world champion, different weight classes. Like, what the fuck is she hanging on for? Unless it's the payday. Like, but she's not going to be a pay-per-view star. I, just, I mean, just to, to, to go follow on from Smithers' point there about pay-per-view. The pay-per-view thing kind of works both ways, and I know us as hardcores, like we 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 get pissed off about them selling us this dross and twenty quid, but like the public have to invest in these characters in order for them to get on pay-per-view, because literally Matchroom could pick anyone in their stable and say, right, this guy's the guy that's going to be pay-per-view star, but you know there's a lot of variables in it, like so they have to have the public opinion, they have to have the cheeky IFL videos, there has to be a lot of kind of other interests for them in order for them to make the transformation to pay-per-view star and as Smith rightly pointed out Dillian White's had like five or six pay-per-views without even having a world title fight like so you know we're kind of to blame well the public are kind of to blame for that as well in that they, they kind of buy into this like Matchroom are doing their job they have to have somebody to sell pay-per-view they have to have somebody outside at me Joshua who's going to put tickets going to put bums in seats and sell tickets they Rinsed Tony Bellew there for the last three or four fights of his career and made him a massive, made his profile bigger and just used that Sky platform to build him. And they did the same with White and people bought it. Like, and you know, it's the it's the punters who are to blame at the end of the day. Like, because if you're going to put your hand in your pocket and shell out for cards of that standard, you kind of get what you deserve. You know what I mean? Yeah, good point, Rob. Uh, good points from Rob there. With us on this Sunday evening, episode 387, Rob C.S. is here, Ozzy is here, and good, me, Steve. Good peep show reference there for me and Chalice in the chat, by the way. Good super hands reference, I like it. Good, yes, a bit of super hands, love a bit of super hands here. Haven't watched peep show in years. Uh, we're going to Ozzy very shortly on the Channel 5 show. Andy will be keeping us up to speed with Pablo Hernandez and also the Spanish show. Before we do so, Smido, you have some breaking news you want to reveal? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, don't ask me any follow-up questions to this, Steve, because I'm absolutely clueless. Um, but a friend of the pod, Dale Nichols, has given us an exclusive um, that I don't think is out in the public domain yet. Um, Hang on, Smido, you, your connection's bad. We need to make sure this is a proper revelation. S- settle yourself up now. <laughs> Can you hear me loud and clear? Yes, go on. Charlie Edwards will be fighting Kyle Williams in September. Um, it's not in the public domain as yet. Um, it sounds like a good fight because this Williams has already beat Tony Edwards. Um, there you go, you heard it here first. Thanks, thanks for that. Thanks for Smido <laughs> there revealing the big news. It's gonna be big, whatever it is. I think I think he said Charlie Edwards is fighting Kyle Williams in September. So we we're definitely gonna get the scoop. Sonny's fighting Thomas and Sumbas, you know, the next week or the week Yeah, Sonny's fighting Thomas and Sumba. Smido's in the chat here. Charlie Edwards is fighting Kyle Williams. Uh, thanks for that then, Smido. Uh, Andy, one for you, just before we go into Hernandez and, Sp- and the Spanish card. Liam Wynn sent in a question last week, just following on female boxers. He said, how do female boxers fight when they're on the blob? What do they need to adjust <laughs> to in camp and on the night? It's quite an interesting question, actually. I don't really want to ask one of the one of them when they come on as a guest, but, you know, you, you really would need to, wouldn't you? Well, hang on. So what happens if you get them on the pads and stuff like that? And you say, like, jab. And she's like, I don't fucking want to. <laughs> Get them on the pads. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'd be funny, wouldn't it? Hey, you bastard! <laughs> Back in a flash for a slash of your gash, yeah, you fucking hell. Yeah, maybe Johan Pablo Hernandez yes. was on the flipping blob last night, Andy, because I tell you what, he lost a, ki- a kingpin looking in good, suspiciously good shape, I thought. 
suspiciously good shape. But yeah, I mean, it was, it was a sensational match. As I said, this weekend's been brilliant for upsets and stuff. I mean, there's an upset in the strawweight division there. Danny Valerde has got beaten points. You got White getting ice there last night. You got Fandora just like lighting arses on fire. Um, and then fucking Kevin Johnson decides to have up, just rock up and have a fucking fight. And actually takes a fight to him. Um, first one in, I think it's his first one in two years or something like that. Um, Hernandez is, I think he, he gassed out after like four rounds and stuff. And I was reading up that he was like coming back for elbow and knee problems and stuff. Got dropped. And then fucking Johnson just followed him across the ring. I showed you the, the knockout and that, and he just, just yeah. iced him with a right hand. He looks so brittle, Hernandez, although he always, uh, he was always a bit was. Suspect, uh, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. He always was. I mean, Cunningham uh, exposed that as well a wee bit. Um, and he's not really kind of biggest of punchers, even though he dropped Fury in that as well. But um, what else happened in that? Yeah, it was just, as I said, it was a shock. Johnson just, as I said, coming to fight and that. It just shows you. Anyway, if, I don't know if he was motivated for whatever reason and stuff, but... He just put it on him. Maybe he knew, you know, Hernandez as well, actually, it's, it's kind of a question, Martin. You know, why would you want to come back after, like, was it five years, six years out, and fight yeah. Kevin Johnson in your first money, comeback money problems, fight? Maybe. Yeah, but then you got Sergio picking up, like, even a, a club fighter, actually, kind of, for his comeback fight. Um, what, one fight that was quite good on that undercard, actually, was uh, Thomas Demeski uh, against Michael Efer. Um was an eight-rounder for a youth title and that. I, I, I suggest that if that fight was 10, maybe even 12 rounds and that, I would say the effort would have won that fight. They lost the majority of the decision. Peter Kaderu, I mean, the guy he beat, man, Pavetkin beat him, knocked him out in his, in his debut, actually. That's how shit that guy is. I mean, <laughs> the, the second he started tasting some some punches and that, I mean, he was he was out of there, done and dusted. Uh, Robin Krasnicki knew up at late heavyweight and that. He had a, kind of, a tough Czech fighter in front of him and that. He kind of got the stoppage in the eighth round. And uh, one of their German prospects, I think he was an ex-Olympian or ex-amateur anyway, decent fighter, was uh, Arthur Beck. He was under the name uh, Arthur Henrik. So maybe one for keeping an eye out of the way. But, talking yeah, about he's obviously going to be class him. What's his name, Henrik? He's going to be on the best of all time, him. <laughs> <laughs> Just going back, Andy, quickly to Kingpin, I wonder whether the situation mm-hmm. with the likes of him is, and maybe DeMarcus Corley got a bit like this as well, they go up as if they're going to go the distance, go to lose, get in as best shape as they can, and sometimes a fight evolves where they're thinking to themselves, this guy's shit, man. He's got a bad uh, chin if I, you know, and, and the sort of the ambition... Uh, starts to rise in them as the fight goes on, and he thinks if I, yeah. I, I can may, maybe do something here, I think it might be a case to that. Possibly, but you just wonder where it was all the time in that. You know, I mean, mm. you, you would think Kevin Johnson, if he wanted to, you know, if you remember back in the day, and even he should train the Mayweather gym as well. I'm sure. I told you the story of when he was he was sparring Terry Dunstan in the John Breen gym. That jab was thudding uh, around the the, the 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 walls of the gym. It was so powerful. It was an excellent jab he had. I mean, you would think he, you know, really should have achieved more than what he is rather than just become like a name on the road. He's not even a name on the road anymore. Now. He's just like known as a guy you know, who's known to take you distance and stuff or definitely going to you know, give you rounds and that. But it just shows you, you know, as you say, probably he, he just he just felt the difference in the ring. And that. as I say, Hernandez after four rounds was blown. That's probably gave me a bit more confidence in that as well, just to go for it. And, you know, he kept it up. He kept the kind of pace going in that, which is unlike Johnson. Like as I say, you usually see him sitting on the ropes, parrying shots and just, just surviving, grappling and holding and that. But no, last night it was a, it was a big surprise, like big, big surprise. Uh, in Spain, I managed to get the Torres fight and the Kiko Martinez fight. I think it ended, uh, it was a bit dodgy after three rounds with a cut. I didn't manage to see Sergio, unfortunately. I, did, I saw all the American cards, but didn't get to Sergio Martinez. What did you make of him? 
Sergio, well, obviously, I mean, he's, he's got the knees strapped up and stuff. Six years out, he looked in decent physical shape, I suppose. But as did I he said, have the knees strapped up? Yeah. Aye, both knees were strapped, mate. Um, as I say, he, he, he kind of he fought the same style, hands down, I suppose. Um, really troubled, you know. Showed the uh, you know decent decent jabs and digs to the body and that, you know, you need to remember as well, that, that was it Fandinho or Fandinho, whatever his fucking name is, he's not even, as I say, he's barely a journeyman, best one Sergio Fernandez, and that was a rematch which he won in two rounds or whatever it was, and the best opponent he's maybe faced is maybe that, uh, that you call him Ronnie Ladata, or uh, uh, the Brazilian, Escove Falcao, so, uh, and he got beaten both of the fights, knocked out actually, so, dropped the body shots, and finally stopped in the seventh way, again, another... I suppose Sergio, another one actually whose punch probably hasn't deserted him actually because he did drop the guy away that straight left hand. He was right to the pit of the stomach and that. Okay, as I say, the guy's, the guy's trash. But as I say, if, if Sergio is going to be pitting about that level and that, then with his pedigree and his power, I, said, I, I think he should be dealing with guys like that. And he dealt with that guy pretty easily. And moving on, John Wayne says, whatever happened to Nathan Gorman? I don't know. I was thinking the other day, whatever happened to Sanjeev Sahoto? Remember him? He was a bit of a ticket seller on the old uh, Frank Warren cards. I don't know where. I thought he could have been the new Akash Batia, but he just disappeared. Uh, Ozzy, don't worry too much about that. The Channel 5 card, I can't get any details on uh, Boxwick about it, unfortunately. Now, I'd forgotten about the card completely until Andy reminded me about quarter past 10. I managed to see the second half of the Chad Sugden Shakan Pitters fight. I had that on the earphones while I was watching. I think Taylor Pursoon was on at the same time. Didn't see anything from the undercard, Isaac Chamberlain, or any of the boys. Did you see anything this Channel 5 card, Ozzy? Do you want to fill us in? You there, Oz? I think we might have lost him. Can you hear me okay, Andy? Can you find me, I? Yeah, I don't know. Aussie's maybe, oh, he's maybe BRB'd at the moment. Let's move on to America then, shall we? We'll bring Robin in a minute. We'll go to you first, Andy. Uh, Joe Smith Jr. against Eladair Alvarez. Ooh. I thought there was, an, there was an interesting commentary dynamic going on here. I thought uh, throughout the fight, Andre Ward seemed to be very pro-Alvarez, whereas uh, Timothy Bradley was quickly, he was quite critical about Alvarez's lack of output. And I think I sided with Bradley for the most of it. I think he was calling it quite correctly. And, and as for the finish, I mean, you said it yourself, whenever Joe Smith hits you, you stay hit. He usually knocks you through the ropes at this type of level. He done that against B Hop. Alvarez managed to get back in the ring. Some referees, maybe Smogo or that guy last week in Oklahoma, would have dusted the gloves off and sent him out for more. But he hadn't showed anything. His nose was busted no. up. I don't think he's as big a puncher as people make him out to be. I want to give a lot of respect to Joe Smith. I thought he spoke very well at the end of the fight. He's a stereotypical blue collar worker, and I'm pleased for his success. Well, that's again another one. Actually, as I said, I mean, I, I said to you last night. Actually, I got asked for the the odds. Uh, the bookies for Joe Smith winning by knockout. Coming that fight to one, I raged and I didn't do it either. I fell asleep before that one. Fight to one for the knockout. Joe Smith was. Jason Chuckwee. But as I say, again, that's another one actually. You know, another great moment this weekend, and that was Joe Smith winning by knockout. Um, I thought he was dominant. Heavy pressure for the start. Just kept the pressure going. Good job, right hands. Um, Just, I think. I, did, I, I tried to tune the, the commentary out, but I thought Ward kind of came up with this one. It's, it was just being Joe Smith. You know, he's no great technically in that, but you know, he's a massive, massive guy, isn't he? He's fucking back. He's massive. Good power, as I say. You know, when when they landed that right hand and that, it was it was everything. Everything was behind that shot. You know, stance, just the reach. It was fantastic. You know, I, I kind of thought Alvarez was very, very passive the entire fight. I don't think he could really kind of cope with the pressure, actually. And he's not really got a second gear, I don't think. You know, I think it's Kovalev could even drop Alvarez, man. 
looking for Cole. So um, he's not coming out the second time, no. No, no he's points. Went the points. He unboxed him, didn't he? Aye. There's my memory. So, so I, I just think um, uh, whatever fight Joe Smith's going to win, actually, it's going to be action. It's going to be worth watching because you just know he has, he has got, he's got the dig, he's got the heart, and he's got the power. But whatever else he, that that he's lacking, it doesn't matter at this point. He's always going to be in exciting fights and stuff. And it's great to see guys like this actually, you know, just kind of like break through. Maybe he was a part-time fighter at one point. Was he the only electrician or something like that? I don't know if he's full-time these days and stuff. But you know, that's that's been a distance with Barrera, Bivo. He's beat Jesse Hart. He's beat Alvarez now. He's beat Hopkins. He's beat Finn Farah. Finn Farah, yeah. Uh, that's that's not a bad resume of fighters he's fought right. actually like heavyweight, you know. Got his jaw broke early by Sullivan Barrera as well. Yeah. Hard, hard as nails now I don't know obviously the, the, the belt's vacant and I know there's a couple of Russians supposedly be, I don't know if they're, they're mandatories or getting, Salimov and somebody uh, else isn't Vlasov it? Vlasov I'm sure it is so mm. I don't know I don't know if that's going to get you know mandated or whatever whatever's going to happen but Smith just beat the number three guy and he was number four so to be fair I, I think whoever wins the Salimov Vlasov fight should fight Smith for the title or they should defend against Smith for the uh, whoever the winner is of that, if it's going to be for the, the mandatory belt. But fair play to Smith. And as I say, he's, 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 he's not great, but he makes it work. And he makes you work as well. And I say, I don't think Alvarez could cope with it and that. And you've got to mention as well, I mean, Alvarez took a lot of, you know, step-asides and stuff like that when we're trying to get the Kovalev fight made with Stevenson, I'm sure, and stuff. Yeah. You wonder if that's maybe just kind of, because obviously he's paid off for that as well. So you wonder if that's maybe just like, Hampered his development, his hunger, and that as well. Um, okay, he, he he came there and beat Kovalev. I mean, it, was, it was a great knockout and stuff. But that's probably like that's probably the moment of his career in that because it's been it's not been great since. Well, they said last night, didn't they, Andy, that he was banking on if he was told if yeah. he won that Kovalev rematch, he'd have like a big three fight lucrative deal with top rank. So maybe the air was just inflated out of his tires after that rematch. Yeah, possibly, mate, possibly, but. As I say, it's, uh, it's going to be a hard road back for him. We talk about Dillian White, you know, having a, a hard road back. It's going to be a hard road back for uh, yeah. for him now as well. I mean, what is he? 30, he must be well in his mid thirties. Six, I think. Is he? Yeah. So you, you think maybe you know, you just think if he gets brought in as an opponent, maybe and he gets lucky that night or whatever, and that maybe a Pascal fight or whatever, and that. Um, we'll wait and see. But Baterbe is fighting the Chinese guy sometime soon as well, so. Might get some sort of kind of unification fight coming up as well at some point, maybe with Bivol or um, what was the one you mentioned last week? Benavidez maybe coming up mm. late as well. So we'll wait and see. Mm -hmm. uh, then the undercard, Duke Ragen looked pretty impressive. First round KO, former good amateur. He's definitely going to be one to watch. Julian Rodriguez as well. I thought he looked very good in his first round KO. They weren't really against anything of any great description. Rob Brandt. Uh, fought a guy from Ukraine, Kopalenko. I watched this entire card, actually, from back to back. Uh, Kopalenko ended up with really badly swelled eyes, but he offered nothing, and Jay Nady stepped into the corner, as Andre Ward said, to test them out, to say, I'm going to stop it, and nobody complained. John David Jackson, Timor Bragimov, the fighter himself, nobody complained, so they just pulled him out. Rob Brandt, I mean, where's his career really going? Uh, back to the main event, Rob Kelly. Forget about Rob Brandt. It's all about Joe yeah, Smith. Please. I'm sure you're on board with us, man. Fair play to him. He's a big puncher. Please forget about Rob Brandt. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I call the Smith knockout, man. I just have a feeling, feeling this guy, whoever he hits is going to go unless they're A-level fighters. I think the A-level fighters will bust them up. But I would love to see Joe Smith versus Bivol to see if he could bring something out of him because I'm sure Bivol will just ping the head off and break him down. But Bivol needs something, some kind of adversity thrown at him to bring the best out of him or at least get him into an exciting fight 
And as Andy said, Joe Smith's always going to, he's not going to be in a bad fight. Like he's, he's always got the equalizer. He's going to keep coming. He's granite. So, I mean, I think he pulls Bivol. I don't think technically he poses Bivol any kind of set of problems, but how could he hold up? Would he be able to hold up under that power? That could be an upset waiting to happen. Like, you know, maybe I'm getting upset heavy now because we've had so many over the weekend, but I think um, Joe Smith versus Bivol would be really interesting. Now, I don't know what side of the fence either is on or what the fuck. It's so hard to keep up these days with fighters' promotions and managers and stables. And I think, Rob, I think, I think Bivol's uh, matchroom stroke the zone. He was at one point anyway, and Smith is with Star Boxing. I'd say they'd be open to working with anybody. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, Bivol could be a free agent soon looking for a new network, couldn't he, if the rumours are to be believed. Like, so. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a, that's a watchable frame Evening, Ed. How are you today, pal? Sorry, sorry. Comrade, Evening, Eddie. He's raging today, isn't he? Going around the garden, the boys taking down all the fucking lights. He's just going around moping around the garden, Eddie, today. Evening, Ed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> see, shout out to Derek Chisora, by the way. Um, Coogan uh, obviously snatched uh, one of Chisora's Instagram live videos last night, and that monologue that seemed to go on for about 15 minutes after the fight when Eddie's just standing there in front of the the screen giving his fucking impassioned speech about Dillian White and Chisora's in front of the TV and he goes, Eddie, shut the fuck up, man. <laughs> it's fucking brilliant. That's what I said last night when you were talking. I said, Eddie's still talking talking. Still yeah, he's fucking still fucking talking, yeah. 20 minutes later, he's still fucking talking. He just goes, Eddie, Eddie, shut the fuck up and they all start cracking up laughing in the background. It was hilarious. Like, um, so... Shout out to Cesora for that one. Um, where the fuck were we going with that one, Steve? I don't know. I'm going off the fucking... I'm going off the Here, phone. Rob. Let me bring you back on track. Hang on. We want to be honest. Yeah. You're a fucking bum. You're a fucking asshole. I hope you fucking die. Says it all, though, right? Says it all that, that, that Eddie's had to get a rematch clause put in there. Right? Well, okay, I, I know it's a defence of some sort of title and stuff, so maybe it makes business sense and stuff, but... Say we didn't have the situation with Joshua and Fury and Wilder, for example, right? So they're kind of contractually, mandatory defences and all that sort of stuff, contractually and all that. But see if they didn't, that, you know, the whole heavyweight division would have been held up there because White's got to go and have a rematch with fucking Povetkin, a 41-year-old exactly. opponent. A 41-year-old exactly. opponent. But here's the thing, like, Eddie's giving his big speech on the podium and everything, but, like, I mean, I'm sure he's great mates with Dillian White and they've got a straight really strong bond and a great relationship and Eddie wants to do the best thing for Dillian White's career but secretly he has to be delighted that this yeah. is happening because it's clearing a roadblock like I mean if the WBC or maybe he's not because maybe that was the way he wanted to go because the noise of Eddie over the last two weeks was oh Fury oh yeah yeah we, we know AJ and Fury is made in principle and the matchmaker from the gods came and set it all up and they've agreed a two-fight deal in principle. But for the last two weeks, he's been saying, no, 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 Fury's going to fight White. Like, he has the WBC mandate and he has to fight White before he fights AJ. So, in other words, don't get excited for AJ Fury. But now we don't have to fight White because he's not going to hold on to that mandatory position now. Now the road is clear. <laughs> AJ beats Pulev, Fury beats Wilder, whenever that is. And then surely that's the next fight. Like, surely, like. Unless they're fucking, they're highly going to, the WBC could highly be in a position where they could be lobbied to make Dillian White an automatic contender for Fury again, just oh, because he beats oh. Povetkin in the rematch, which is not oh. a given, by the way. Apparently the same Povetkin can't be mandatory now for at least 12 months. Well, that, that's fucking, that's bullshit. But the other thing as yeah, well is, see if, see, if, see, if, see if White is actually saying, look, I want the rematch now. Well, wait a minute, Guy Parker the rematch as well. 
Dylan White because he had you on Queer Street, he had you ready to go in the 12th round and stuff. So yeah. he deserves a rematch. Like that, though, does he? Exactly, he like exactly. It's the privilege, the white privilege. Well, they're happy to say one thing and then do the other. Sure. Here, Rob, one of our listeners made a good point, actually. He said, you know the way they were going on about Povetkin came back and landed a lucky punch, lucky punch from the gods and all this type of stuff. One of our listeners wrote in to me and said, remember when Makabu dropped Bellew, then a couple of rounds later got knocked out. I don't remember anyone saying Bellew landed a lucky punch. You know, so this, it's... A, this shit is, forget, right? There is no lucky punches. If you throw a punch... You wanted to fucking hit someone with it. There's no lucky punches. You know what I mean? You don't get lucky that the fella just leaves his head. Freddie Roach said the same. There's no fucking lucky punches. If you throw a punch, a lucky punch might be if I like I'm waiting for I'm waving a taxi down and some fella fucking that I don't like just walks in front of it. But that's <laughs> do you know what I mean? That's a lucky punch, not a fucking contest where two fellas are thrown at each other. And by the way, what a disservice that's doing to Pavekin. Two-time European amateur champion, two-time world amateur champion, Olympic gold medalist, only lost twice in his professional career, 41 years of age. That's not a lucky punch, man. And anyone with eyes could see that he fucking set the shot up before he threw it. So what the fuck are you talking about? No lucky punches. Unlucky to be the recipient, but not a lucky punch, like. <laughs> a lucky punch, fuck's sake. Fucking what? shite that is, like. <laughs> One other thing, just before Bringozzi in, somebody mentioned the diamond belt there. What, what, what's the deal with the diamond belt? I'm, I could be getting this wrong, but I thought it wasn't it not originally bought in so that people could fight at a catchweight or something. Uh, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was one of Floyd's fights, but it was meant to be a symbolic gesture title, rather. And it, you know, was it's it? like that. It's like remember that was it uh, the one they brought in for Canelo? Was it the the Aztec belt or something Aztec like that? Belt. Was Pacquiao, was, did they not bring it for Pacquiao to fight someone at a catchweight at some point? Oh, I think one for Cotter, did they know, or something like that as Maybe well. it was Pacquiao. I've lost track, but I, I don't think it serves the criteria that, that they're talking about here. It doesn't matter. We'll move on. Uh, Ozzy's back with us. Ozzy, as I said, I managed to catch the last six rounds of Sugden against Pitters. It was starting to get pretty much one-way traffic towards the end. Sugden was giving his all, but he was getting battered around. Isaac Chamberlain also got a win. There was supposed to be another fight on that card. It didn't say it seemed to take place. Uh, give us a Channel 5 rundown. Yeah, I, I only saw the main event in great detail. The fight you're on about was a southern area fight, I think, or a Midlands area, and that sadly fell through. Uh, so that's being rescheduled for a card later down the line. But the, the main event was one of them. It, it, it was okay. Um, you could see the levels, basically. Pitt has used... He boxed well. He, he used all his... his ex, he, used, he used his fundamentals, basically. He was taller... Uh, bigger reach and Sugden just couldn't get near him. Um, he was not, I wouldn't say Sugden was, you know, like he was never badly hurt, you know, like wobbled or anything. Um, bad cut on his lip, I think it was in the second or third round, which was a bit of a mess. And look, at times he did have a couple of moments, there was just not really enough of them. Um, and yeah, Pitt has just dominated throughout, really, center of the ring, jab, 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 uh, followed it up with a straight right. And Sugden just struggled. Um, certainly think Sugden can operate at domestic level. Um, I still don't know how Pitters can make 175 because he's fucking massive. Six foot six. Uh, don't know what his pop and his punches are like. I know he, he did well in the ultimate boxer and stopped. I think it was pretty much everybody. So he must have some sort of, you know, pop, but it is a bit different, you know, when, you know, people are going gung-ho for uh, three rounds. Uh, I thought the cards were fair. Um, I, I don't think there's any controversial... Uh, decisions and then look he, he puts himself there in the mix with all the domestic light heavyweights uh, Lyndon Arthur uh, Anthony Yard Joshua Boatze 
Um, the, the great fights, and this guy can certainly operate domestic level. He's a good talent, and to be honest, they're not going to be queuing up to fight him because who wants to fight a six foot six gangly um, light heavyweight who can punch? Not many people domestically. So it's, I think he signed a deal with Fat Mick now, so it's going to be interesting to see where and who he puts him in with next. Uh, but he has got that British title, so there is certainly, a, you know, like the carrot is dangling for some sort of opponents. It just depends that, who. That's good, I think. I think the likes of Pitters and Chamberlain, I think there's a home for them with Mick if he can make it work. Tennessee's not bad. We have seen, look, we, we all take the piss out of Mick, you know, but it's all in like jest and everything because the guy knows what he's doing. Um, he did really well with Tyson Fury, did well with James DeGale, did well with Carl Froch. And he can take fighters, but he gets to a certain level and then naturally it'll be time for them to move on. But, you know, if he's got the back in a Channel 5, these domestic level fighters, Mick can certainly get the opportunities. And, you know, I, I, and I think that's a good point made by you, Steve. There is a home for them. And you never know. Some people might think, actually, I'm sick of, you know, being, you know, on the bottom of undercards or struggling to get opportunities. I may go and... These, this day and age, I don't think it really matters where you fight. Yeah. If whether it's a crowd of four thousand or forty thousand, if your fans are there and you're getting the opportunities, who cares? And if you can do that and fight on terrestrial television and you get opportunities for British titles, European titles, then why not? Hennessy has proven that he can guide a fighter, uh, so it's going to be interesting to see if a anybody um, any more make the move, and b. Um, who, who his fighters are going to be in with next. You mentioned Isaac Chamberlain. He got a routine win against uh, a, an overmatched opponent, basically. Um, that Muppet from Love Island, that just Virgo, was on the undercard as well. Junior <laughs> was on there. Uh, I'm not sure how far he's going to go, to be honest. I, I read a report, and I think he, he laboured to a, a, a very close win. I think there was a point yeah. in it. Um, he's I know not going to go anywhere. I, I don't... No, I, I just... He can't punch, and... We always say that unless you know you've got the superior skills, you do need to have a bit of pop to, just to keep people off you, or you know, to just to give you some sort of advantage. Um, so we're going to wait and see what happens there. Chamberlain's back out soon again as well, Steve. Actually, um, mm. I think it's on that. Mick's got another card. Is it um, Alex Dilmagani who was in that fun fight with that Fonseca? Yeah, yeah. So he's not rematching him, but it's for the European title. Um, Forget who it's against now. Is it Ziani or something like that? Yes, Samir Ziani, the French guy. So yeah. that's for the European Super Featherweight title. So that should be a decent fight. Um, Chamberlain's on there. Would like to see him in a better step up. Um, and I don't think that's the 5th of September, so a couple of weeks. So certainly don't think we'll see Pitters. Uh, but no, it's, it's good to see Mick back. It, it is good to see Mick back. I saw an interview with him on, um, on one of the YouTube channels. And he looks like he's got even bigger. So he's definitely had a good lockdown. <laughs> yeah, he, he can't afford to put in any more weight. But there's definitely a home, I think, if you can get the right fighter and the right fights. It's terrestrial TV, it's Channel 5, everybody sees it. You can get a good a good few million or something if you get the right fight on there. People will sit and watch it on, on a Friday night or a Saturday night. People who haven't got Sky and that, there's, a, there's an opening there. Yeah. I'll tell you what, Steve. Huey Fury's most recently talked about fight was probably him against Sam Sexton. And that's because mm. it was on terrestrial television and he went in and blasted him out of there. And he looked good in doing it because it was on free-to-air. People watched it. As you say, your average Joe, you know, like people flicking through, oh, we'll have a look at this. You see Huey Fury, 
cousin of Tyson Fury, blasting, you know, his opponent out and looking good doing it. And that fight did the world a good for Huey, and it shows the power of terrestrial television. Naturally, like he's had Sky, so that also helps, and he has got a bit of a name. But you're right for for these for the domestic level lads. You can argue if you're headlining cards on terrestrial television, there's no better platform, you know, to grow your profile and get the opportunities. There really isn't. Yeah, talking of six foot six inch light heavyweight Shakan Pitters there, Andy. He's a mere midget compared to six foot six inch welterweight uh, Terran Inferno Sebastian Fundora. Yeah. I, I, we were talking about this last night. I, I gave Gallimore a little bit of a chance, a chance, but then at the end, I suppose we both agreed that Gallimore might have seen better days, even though he was knocking out Jason Mazzaro at one point. He's certainly seen better days now. I think he ended up on a stretcher in the end. Uh, Fundora showing a bit of man strength there. He's open to the left hook. His nose was blooded. He doesn't fight his distance, which seems to be okay because, mm-hmm. you know, he's 22. He's He's got a decent enough jab when he uses it. Uh, as for Gallimore, I think his activity level is just severely depleted as the rounds went on, eventually getting stopped in the sixth round. One interesting thing, well, it's probably not really that interesting, Andy. They managed to sort it out as the night went on. I don't know if you saw the PBC version of this, but the commentary was really annoying me. The way they had everybody mic'd up. They had people at, at ringside and the referee all mic'd up on the same mic level to the commentary team. It was like being in a bar, you know, when you're trying to focus on somebody talking to you in a bar, but you can hear all these other voices around you. I couldn't make out what they were saying because you could hear the ref and everybody at ringside talking. Was that just me or, or did, did you notice that too? I never noticed it, mate. I, I mm-hmm. stayed up long enough to watch the Fundora fight and I went to bed and I, when I got up this morning, I watched the eight rounds of Portland. It was on a, it was on a Spanish feed, I think. So, uh, or USA, Fox, Spanish, whatever it was. I kind of mind. But yeah. uh, Fandora, well, Gallimore, he came right at him for was it first three rounds and stuff. It was Not tasty, didn't it, to start off? It was like, oh, okay, maybe Steve's right here. But no, nah, you just seen it you know, eventually turn under if he got gassed or where Fandora just really kind of like hurt him and stuff at one point. But he just, he just turned the pressure upon the guy and stuff and just started pressure on it. Really heavy shots, I thought, in round four. Really, really heavy shots. And then, obviously, uh, stoppage in the six and stuff. So, um, really good, decent performance, at least, I suppose. I mean, the guy came to... You know, you saw he can ask. The guy came to fight. He asked questions of the kid. And uh, he's answered them. So, uh, fair play to him. Mm. Regarding the main event, just so Phil's on the call. We'll bring him in in a minute. Just regarding the main event, I thought that Sebastian Formella, he was decent. He was capable. He was a good boxer. Landed some good shots. Uh, shots, but he just didn't have the power to hurt Porter and, and, and keep him off. Even though Porter was boxing a bit off the back foot, you never felt like Formella was going to be able to hurt him or put a dent in him. Nah, it was kind of repetitive, wasn't it? I, I, well, yeah. I thought it was repetitive anyway. Porter's just kind of like doing what he does. He was. Wasn't going to kind of two balls deep and stuff, but it was it was dominant, and I never really kind of felt that Formella was really going to change it or or turn the tide. As I say, I, I got as far as maybe seven or eight rounds, and then I kind of fast forward towards the toward the end just to see if anything changed. But it was just kind of like the same, and it's just I just don't think he had he had nothing really to kind of like hurt or change Porter style, and that and that's that was a problem for him actually. Because at the end of the day as well, if you're fighting Porter at some point, you need to engage with him. You need to fight him and you need to have something about you in order to fight him. You need to have some sort of in-game and he didn't really have it, actually. Yeah, just going back to Fundora, Fundora briefly, he gave a shout-out to his promoter, Samson Lukovic, who's been battling yeah. cancer. Was, wasn't aware of that, actually, so uh, best wishes to uh, to Samson there. Shout-out to Joey Spencer on the undercard, PBC Prospect. First real look at him, he's only 20 years of age. I thought he looked a good, good guy, spoke well afterwards, nice skills, did a good job of letting uh, his opponent, Sean West, lead off and then countering him and... 
Joe Goose and saying he's got the goods. And he seems like a bit of a knowledgeable kid as well. He said he's been watching a bit of Sugar Ray Leonard, a bit of Roberto Duran, a bit of Errol Spence, all these guys from all different eras and different styles and trying to learn his craft. I know he's the PBC prospect of the year last year, so keep an eye on Joey Spencer there. Uh, Phil's on the call. He was on with us last night as well. He can't get too much of a good thing. How are you, Phil? Yeah, not too bad yourselves. Yeah, keep well, actually. Uh, did you? I, I believe you managed to see the Formella uh, Sean Porter fight. One of the most interesting things for me was Formella's haircut. He looked like someone who'd exited the barber shop chair a little bit too quickly, like they they left a bit on the on the back for him. Looked like a baby. Looked like he'd just been born, literally, a few few hours before that. I lost interest in the fight, to be honest with you. Got to about seven rounds in, and it was just a one-sided beatdown by Porter. But I was surprised he didn't stop him, if I'm honest with you. Do you think he should have put his foot on the gas? He said afterwards he was trying to box a little bit more and not as not to be as rough, tough and rugged. Do you think he should have just said, right, I've had enough here. I'm going to get this kid out of here. Well, he's been out so long, hasn't he, since the Spence defeat. So he should have really made a statement, I think, last night. He had the opportunity to as well. He said, and it was, and it was just on just before Smith and Alvarez as well. So he had the opportunity before people joined into the ESPN show. Yeah, uh, Formella had been doing a bit of sparring at Salas' gym with your Dennis Ugas. Obviously, we saw Ugas having a really tight fight with Porter. Porter's in line for the IBF again now. He's obviously looking at the Spencer rematch. Uh, Spencer's got the Garcia fight. Where does Porter go from here? Would you be averse to seeing him fight Ugas in a rematch, considering the first one was so close? I think you, I think Ugas deserves that opportunity to fight Porter again. I had Ugas winning. And that, that knockdown that they didn't give, what was it? Eighth, ninth round That's as well? Right. That could... That cost him the fight for me. Generally cost me the fight because of that referee and not counting it as a knockdown. And I think Porter got lucky there for Mommy Yeah. I don't think I don't think Garcia is going to beat Spence. I just don't see it as well. You see all the videos of him popping out. He just looks punch drunk every time. Everything that he says. Just think after the crash as well. You just don't know how much he's recovered from it. I just think it's a big fight to be taken when he could have took a voluntary as well. Yeah, you were a hardcore extraordinaire last night. I saw on Twitter you managed to catch the Alvarez-Joe Smith fight as well. Um, uh, did you see it the same way us guys did, or what did you reckon? I mean, uh, how can you not love Joe Smith and that punching power? Oh, it was fantastic. You know what, right? you got you got to say fair play to the guy. What He lost to, he lost to Bivol. He lost to Barrera, was it? Yeah. He, uh, he had a run out after it. Then sorry, sorry to interrupt you, man. Did I just forget that fucking Bivol already beat Joe Smith, like? What a fucking... Number. I went on a, a five-minute fucking breakdown of how that fight might play out earlier on. Like, You've just won a cunt like Father the Jack here, Rob. Like a like man. Dog. Sorry. Yeah. Dog, baby. <laughs> <laughs> My memory is not what it was. Sorry, dude. <laughs> it, was on, it was on a Dane show, like, early 2019. If I, I remember, remember right. the fight and everything. Yeah, you, you, you didn't touch him. I remember. Yeah, sorry, man. Go ahead. Just another standard performance by Bivoli, if I remember that night. He's never never excited me at the moment. And I think he gets beat by Baterbiev myself. Yeah, that would be a good fight. I always think the thing is with Bivoli, he's going to be a who-needs-him club, as the old cliche goes. I think he's very skilled, very talented, has the potential to beat anybody, has the potential to make anybody look like shit, and doesn't really bring too much to the table. Mm. Hence, why the likes of a Canelo wouldn't touch him. His last out... I was going to say, his last outing, I remember actually falling asleep for about fucking three rounds of his fight. <laughs> He bored me that much. He really, really did. And I'm just not impressed with him. He puts me to fucking sleep. It reminds me of Andre, just the way he just puts me to sleep. Just fucking, seems like a right miserable fucker in that ring. <laughs> I like yeah, him, I, I like his style, but I, I just, 
he just he's just too conservative, isn't he? Like just too conservative for the for even the hardcores, like he's too conservative. He is talented, I think, Phil. He has got a lot of talent, a lot of amateur schooling, but like you say, maybe. But the thing is, the the Sullivan Barrera fight gave us a false sense of of perspective on him because I thought he was excellent that night. He he boxed, outboxed Barrera, worked him out, broke him down, softened him up, and then got the knockout finish in the twelfth round. I'm thinking, yeah, I like this guy, but he's never really replicated that again. What was that, uh, Joel Smith? Oh, sorry, uh, no, Bivol. Uh, yeah. Bivol uh, sorry, I'm talking. I was talking about Bivol the time when he beat up uh, Barrera after outboxing him. Can't say I've watched it. That fight, to be honest with you, that's uh, one of his best thought... fights. You've you've missed the best fight that he was involved in. <laughs> I best give it a watch then, because to see if you can change my opinion on him. Well, of all the fights you could go and watch, I wouldn't necessarily say you can go and watch that one. Right, the dust to settle, Phil, from last night. Are you feeling sorry for Dillian White? Has he been scraped off the canvas yet? Am I fuck feeling sorry for Dillian White? <laughs> Not exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he, he deserves it. It's been coming for ages. And you know what? When that fucking... I've probably watched that knock, knockout of his about fucking 50 times today. It's fantastic, ain't it? You know what I mean? He didn't even fucking wake up. The ref got to about three seconds. I mean, you know what? Stop the count. He's not getting up today, is he? And you know what? Everyone's... Well, you say everyone's happy. You say but a lot of the hardcore fans are happy about it. Do you know what I mean? He's fucking... It's proper fucked him up. Really fucked him up, if you think about it. Poor... Well, Dillian. Anything else, Phil, before we let you go that you want to enlighten us with on this Sunday evening? I'll tell you what, have you seen the video of a Povetkin uh, coming back from uh, coming back from Russia today? Yeah, he I'm walked here for through, it. He walked, through, he walked through the fucking airport door. You've got people in uniforms, you've got women singing, and he's, they've put a call come in, they put a fucking Russian at him and started singing around him. He didn't have one smile. He's fucking hilarious, man. I was, I was absolutely crying. <laughs> he looked like fucking Lord fucking Rothschild. He really did. <laughs> yeah, I had me, I had me in tears. Best thing I've watched. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to see. Oh, <laughs> talking about say. talking about best things you've watched, Phil. What about the big fight of the weekend? The big heavyweight clash. Well, I suppose it was a bit of a ca- catchweight clash, really. Tommy the Guru Allen against Welsh Lou. What did you make of that? What about uh, give us a technique, <laughs> a technique analysis? Oh my god, you th- where do you start with it? You know what I mean? Right, after yesterday and how long it took to get fucking uploading on Twitter, you was expecting at least a fucking knockdown or two, weren't you? You know what I mean? You, the video finally gets uploaded, he gets Louis gets punched at face twice, gets a body shot and goes, You know what, Tom? No more. That'll do me, mate. <laughs> Cheers. And off he goes. He's got a triple cheap he's got a triple cheap t shirt on as well, T. What the fuck? <laughs> I tell you what, well, though, you've got, you've got an him. intimidation tactic. Like I'm going to take off my when I take off my jumper and he sees this triple G on my chest, maybe he'll fold. Well, Tommy took it off for him, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. no, I, you've I, got I, I have to give Guru the credit um, for fighting the southpaw, keeping on. He kept his left foot on the outside at all times. So you got to give from a technical point of view, he might be a little bit slow coming up to his, his late parties, but. Uh, from, te- uh, from a technique perspective, he was like a young Lomachenko there, the way he was controlling the distance. You've got to respect it, though, regardless. Lou literally booked a flight, went to Scotland for a holiday, and whilst he was in Scotland, went, you know what, Tom, do you fancy, fancy a scrap? And turned up on his own. He's fair play to guy. I agree with you to a degree, right? But I think if you're going to do that, you should have hands like, you know what I mean? It's kind of a prerequisite like, if you're going well, to go for a The other thing like, as well hands, is... Like, didn't he video it and put it on social media because that is just like a one-way sentence for a prison, for a prison stunt. So uh, 
Just think Very about true. it next time, guys. Think about think it next time, right? Did they under any like Section 18 or anything? Like that? Nah, I'm, I'm not going to mention the laws, mate. But you know, violence in Scotland's a prerequisite at the end of the day. But <laughs> we didn't want that shit. That you know, our mates getting sent to prison. You know, it's just just calm the fuck down. Maximum violence. Eh? <laughs> just to finish not, off, well, not that quite the maximum violence, like semi-violence, and then we just call it a day violence. <laughs> Potential violence. Go on, Phil. I was going to say, just to finish off, one of the highlights of that video, and I found it hilarious. You know what I mean? And, uh, don't worry, I don't really go to Scotland, but you've got the old woman just walking past them, <laughs> and the man right near the end of the video, like, all right, lads, carry on. Just not a care in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Good old guru. Maybe we'll get him on one of these nights to talk us through. Phil, pleasure as always to have you on. What's your Twitter? At Eggy Phil. At Eggy Phil. Good lad. Come back again soon, sir. Enjoyed having you here. Cheers. Thank you very much. Catch you later, lads. Cheers, Bye, Phil. Eggy Phil there. Good crack is Phil. Always in the chat yeah, every yeah. week with the 7,000 others. Rob's here. Andy's here. Ozzy's here. Steve's here as well. Let's move through a few things as quick as we possibly can then for next week before we get into Bell of the Weeks and out of here. And a Marco Hook's returning. Uh, Hernandez has come back. Sergio Martinez has come back. Marco Hook, the return we is all he? wanted to see. I Marco Hook, one. Marco Hook is coming back next week. Let me see. He is going in against Dennis Lewandowski, which was that big fat mess that fought Fabio Wardley. I think it was on an Eddie card a while ago. Yeah. All right. All right. I didn't know that, actually. Oh, yeah, you play for Bayern Munich, man. Aye, what's his name? Le- is it Robert, Le- Robert 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 Dennis Robert, Lewandowski, fifty-five Dennis. knockouts this year. Crazy, like Mark. Yeah. When did he last fight? Then when did he last fight? Uh, I'm not sure actually. I'm trying to bring it up on the box fit, but it's loading quite slow because I got the May, Champions League. May nineteen, May nineteen. Accidental foul was a no contest, one round. So about well, eighteen months. Then. By the way, mm. what's the score, people? One and one. Nothing by one nil to Bayern Munich. Get yeah, in there. Oh, well, hang on. You've got, you've got my pal, Big Vinny, Big Vinny F, fighting next fucking Friday, Steve. Oh, who's he uh, against? Jamie Saeed. Uh, and my man, Abbas Barua, he's fighting Jack Kolkai. So that's a wee step up, step up for him, actually, in some sort yeah. of respect as well. So Kolkai was boxing, actually. Well, let's move on then, Aussie. Uh, what should we bring you in on? I'll not, I'll not concern you about the Yevgen Koitrov fight against uh, Devon Alexander's brother, Vaughan Alexander, which is going on in... I don't know where it's going on, CBS Sports anyway. What about this MTK card, Ozzy? Any, any interest in this? We've got Lewis Crocker from Belfast headlining against Lewis Green. He's only got one loss on his record. WBO European title on the line. Some pretty decent uh, local scraps, actually. Gary Culley's going in against Craig Rudruff. A former guest of the pod, Darren Tetley's going in against Liam Taylor, which has the potential, Ozzy, to be a good fight. And Lee McGregor, as Ramez Mahmood mentioned earlier, is going in against Ryan Walker. So there could be some value yeah. on this, actually. It's on Wednesday night. Yeah, um, I think it'll be on. It'll be on one of the YouTube channels. Good, good show. Um, I, I like McGregor. Should have enough to beat Ryan Walker. Um, I think this is more of a certainly a ticket, an opportunity for Walker. Um, McGregor, whilst I thought he got beat off Cash Farouk, certainly boxed well. Um, like like Crocker, uh, you probably know more about him than I do, Steve. To be honest, but when I've seen him, has always looked good. Uh, when he's boxed, I think can he punch a bit as well, or am I confusing him with somebody else? Or no, you're right. He was built up got... as a punch. He was built up as a puncher early on, especially with the left hook. But as the levels yeah. have risen, he hasn't been knocking people out. But I think he got a good ten rounds against John Thane last time. I was going to say he beat John Thane, didn't he? And Thane's no mug. Um, I rate John Thane, and he's another guy that's just he's starved of opportunities and sometimes has to take the 
you know, like the the fights where he is in the away corner. Um, Tetley Taylor could be fight of the night. That's a great fight. Um, I think last time we saw Taylor, he dropped Chris Jenkins, was ahead, and then it was stopped on cuts That's before right. four rounds were complete. Yeah, um, I'd side with Taylor in this, just purely on experience. Um, Tetley's had the one breakout fight, which was against Mason Cartwright, where I think Cartwright ended up with that horrible cut lip, and it was almost detached, you know, hanging off. Well, it was hanging off. Um, big split was straight through it. Uh, but a good fight. Um, certainly, these are the ones we want to be seeing. Uh, Cully, Craig Woodruff. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing the odds here. Richie Garner, friend of the pod, manages Craig Woodruff. And they are bang up for this. Um, Woodruff is he's better than his record suggests. The five losses, a couple of them are on short notice. Box Luke Campbell. Uh, Cully is one of these. He's There's a lot of hype behind it behind him, but he's not really had that, he's 10 and 0, but hasn't really fought anyone of no, I'd say Kane Baker's probably his best win, who is, you know, that area level. When he banged um, out Joe Fitzpatrick in a grudge match, didn't he, Cully? He was an excellent amateur as well. I think he might go places, you know. Yeah, um, I don't know. I mean, I'd like to see it over 10 rounds, or I think eight rounds yeah. may just do Cully a touch more. I'm sure we've seen Cully, um, I know... I'd like to see it over 10, but for Woodruff, he's had a full camp for this. He was training for one of the Al Siesta shows until the board stepped in and said that no um, British board of control fighters can travel abroad. So Woodruff is fit. It's not as if, you know, he's just had two or three weeks notice and they're bang up for this. They've said, look, Cully has avoided, but we think we can win. And it's probably the first time, Steve, that Cully is going in with somebody at a similar height. I think they're yeah. both around six foot, six foot one. So it's going to be interesting for Cully, who's usually the taller man and has the obvious longer reach. He might not have that. So he's got to deal with something different. I've seen Woodruff, he can box. Um, he got beat off. I think it was Kieran Gethin, which I thought was a poor decision. Uh, Woodruff winning that. Um, so this is a close fight. This is a good fight as well. And it's I'm, I don't know if we'll get odds for it, but I'll be interested to see. And, it might be one of them where I'll back Woodruff, purely from speaking, I know, obviously know his manager, but how confident they are. Um, sometimes they know the role, you know, if we go in the away corner, it's, you know, we've got an outside chance, but they're bang up for this and they really fancy the chances. So I'll be watching that closely just to see if Craig can cause the upset. And it will be a big win for Woodruff as well, that, a big win. Because as you say, Steve, Cully is highly touted and well-liked. Um up at super lightweight, this one. I know Cully can make 135 as well. Uh, the other two, I don't know anything about James McGiven and Fergus Quinn. Uh, I just know that Robbie Chapman, he's another friend of the pod. Um, he's decided to basically go on the road now, um, take the money from that perspective, and go in as a competitive away fighter rather than trying to, you know, have the hassle of selling tickets um, and all that hassle. He'd rather go on, you know. And, and do do it from the other side, a bit like Anthony Fox, go as the away fighter, try and cause the upsets and build opportunities from that way. Yes, I'm um, not working that evening, so I'll be tuning into that one on YouTube. Uh, we had a comment coming from a friend of the pod, Ryan Deal, over at patreon.com forward slash boxing asylum. He said, I've just caught up with a DAZN card. He was talking about Oklahoma. Fuck me, I've been to countless amateur shows, and every time someone bends at the hips and swings aimlessly, they get a bollocking off the ref. Yet you can win an undisputed women's welterweight championship somehow. Utter shite, says Ryan. He also says, anyway, would Israel Madrimov 
be better off if he swapped his name to the Madrid deal. Liking that, Ryan. Liking that type of content. What about this rapping, Rob Kelly? Next week, August the 29th in the bubble, MGM Grand. This fight's been rescheduled about 55 times, but we're all the better for it. Jose Carlos Ramirez, 25-0, and 0, going in against Victor Postel, 31-2. On the undercard, nice step up for 23-0, and 0, Arnold Barboza Jr. against Gabe's mate, friend of the pod, Tony Hands of Stone Luis. What about Postel Ramirez? First of all? I thought you, when you said that was the, under, uh, the undercard, I was like, shit, that has a... I thought that was an undercard. Um... <laughs> Um, it's hard to know what Postal has left, man. You'd expect Ramirez to be the favourite. Like, um, but I think Postal, I've said this before on the pod, he's such a cagey fighter. He's a tricky out for anyone. Like, I mean, it, sh- it showed how good um, Josh Taylor was and uh, sorry, uh, Ter- uh, Terence Crawford were to, to, to beat Postal. Postal was the favourite against Crawford at one time, let's not forget, in a lot of people's eyes. So... He's, it's hard just it's just interesting to know to see how what he'll have left, what fellas are looking like coming off lockdown. It's gotta be last chance to Luna there thereabouts for Victor Postal. So has he got one last cagey performance in him enough to sneak a win there? I don't think so, man. I think Ramirez is gonna have too much activity for him, but not a simple out and the undercard I couldn't give a flying fuck about until I see it and then we talk about it next week, but don't care. Good luck to Tony Lewis, unless, says Rob. Unless the lads in the chat are super chatting us. Then I care. I will talk all about it. I'd be motherfucking Adonis. Super chat Stevenson. <laughs> super chat tonight. Um, but no, no, I don't think it's that exciting. But yeah, Postal, I've always a fan of him actually over the years. I think he's he's underrated and um, he's not easy on the eye by, by any stretch, but he's, um, he's a tough out, cute fighter. Yeah, no super chats or super stickers since lockdown boxing tonight. No sign of Father Dick Byrne sliding in. If you want to throw a bit of value back away, if you enjoy what we're doing on a Sunday evening, then throw a super chat in for the boys. And a Wednesday, the 26th of August in the Queensland Country Bank Stadium. It's going to be hot there, isn't it? It's going to be sweaty mm-hmm. balls time. The team's you, 15-0, stepping up against Jeff Horn, 22-1. There's a couple of questions for me on this one. What has Horn got left? And is the main thing for Sue, it's like a sort of yardstick for him. Yeah. If he beats Horn, how he gets rid of him. That's what we're looking at here, isn't it? Really, it is, oh, actually. left in the horn. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I think, I, I don't know if I'm right in saying this, but I, I'd read a couple of weeks ago on that, that they were hoping to get, I think it's in a football stadium or something, or a rugby stadium, and they're hoping to get at least 10,000 in there. I think it's Ooh. like 50,000 capacity. So Flip me, good luck to them over there. Have you seen some yeah. of the videos from Australia? They've been going around battering no. the shit out of people. Are they? Excellent. Nah, that won't be happening now, man. That won't be happening now. I don't think. Yeah. 10,000 and a sporting event and they're locking down the whole fucking country. I yeah, I'm going to say. Police yeah. have been well, going wild on some of the some of the videos, Andy. Yeah. All right. So, well, I don't know if that's been changing, but that was the plan, at least like, a few weeks back anyway. As you say, though, you know, Tim Zhu is probably, he's at his yardstick here and he's going to see where he's at. Obviously, you go back to Horn and that. Okay, he's you know, badly beaten up off Crawford. He has he beats a, a washed Mundine and then he gets iced off by Zarafa and I think he'd been doing a few times in that fight and then he won the rematch quite close as well if, if, if I recall. So I know you're a big you're a big uh, you're, well not so much hype mate but I know you're a bit of a fan of Tim Zoo and that you think he's a chip, chip off the old block and that. Yeah. I, I think I think if he is the real deal I think he should be coming out of here and he should be dealing with Horn who I think oh he is come forward wide open to shots and stuff so if Zoo can time him on, on, on the way in I could generally see him possibly stopping him either on cuts 
or knocking them out or get that mercy stoppage somewhere late. I think it's only a ten rounder as well. So another thing as well is Horn, as I says, he was, he was always kind of big for, for as, as a welterweight. This is at one five four, I think. I don't know, maybe a catch weight, but um, you just wonder as well as how he's going to be with making the weight and that as well. And as as, as Rob says, and that with the, with the lockdown, that it's a further yardstick because these guys have been really doing nothing really as such. You know, we had the. Um, uh, the young boxer running that started showing that he's had he, he was mentioned he didn't have access to proper training and equipment and stuff like that. So you wonder if I've had the same problem over there and that. So you just never know. But I'm I'm favouring Zoo. Um, was it next Wednesday? This will be like a kind of mid morning. Yeah, kind of it'll be like, like ten or eleven o'clock in the morning. I think it yeah. is at one fifty four, like you say as well. So I I might I might catch it as well. So yeah, I'm going to go Zoo. I'm going to say stop some. Um, I'll go around about round eight. Yeah, I erroneously said a few weeks ago, and I'm sure everybody picked up on it, that uh, the, the corner team, was it Glenn? Oh, what do you yeah. call Glenn? Glenn, somebody had left, but it wasn't him, Andy. It was the strength and conditioning coach, right, Dundee uh. Kim, who actually left Horn's uh, team for SU. So there's a bit of beef for them to build it up. I'm sure they're going to put it on pay-per-view, probably knowing them, aren't they? Can he wait for the Aussie, Aussie commentary? Like, can he wait for it? I mean, hopefully they might get Colonel Bob Sheridan doing the, the Aussie feed again for a change, but um, doing it so... Listen, mate, it's a, it's a fucking mercy compared to the Aussies, man. Jesus Christ, this thing, this thing will be like the fucking the second coming of Hagler Herons. We're going to be watching Wednesday if they let the fuckers give us a break, didn't it? Colonel Bob, man. I used to be when I used to be the hardcore's hardcore. I used to get the videos, and you had Shannon Taylor, Paul Briggs on the way up, Danny Green on the way up. Do you remember all them boys? Oh, and they used I... to get the Colonel over quite regularly, didn't they? Green machine, green. Going for it now. <laughs> maybe, maybe the tagline for next week can be: "To be a legend, you have to beat the son of a legend." I think it's with Colonel Bob in that as well. Remember, they don't have a heart attack one day. He was covering a fight that same night and discharged himself out of the hospital. And what the fucking actually, actually went to the fight and done the fucking done the job. What a legend! I forget what fight it was actually. But it mate, must be mate, mate, right now, Andy. Oh, he he's must been be me. For years, doesn't he? He's like Ray Flores these days, man. He just, he just appears on a on a live feed somewhere. He's a foreign feed for a, a show. Just some random fucking card, man. You know. That's right. Yeah, he used to do King Vision, the Don King. He's big in with Don King, isn't he, back in the day, anyway? He did. They don't do the Rumble and Jungle commentary as well. He might have, or maybe a more up-to-date version. Uh, maybe I. Because he, he, when he used to do the counts, he used to go, and five, and six, <laughs> and seven. I'm like, fucking hell, man, he must be at ten, but no, for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope so. Let's hope Colonel Bob turns up. On the undercard, Jamie Weech is fighting the appropriately named Isaac Hardman, who's 6-0. and Let's see how fucking hard he is then. If he can get the knockout over Jamie Weech. Moving on, swiftly, Aussie, back to you, BT Sports Studio in Stratford. Daniel Dubois going in against Ricardo Schneiders. It was originally supposed to be the Russian guy. Bit of beef back and forward between that. Uh, Sonny Edwards, not Charlie, who's fighting Kyle Walker, exclusive from Smido. It's Sonny Edwards going in against Thomas Asomba. Decent potential scrap between Sam Maxwell and Joe Hughes. And Willie Hutchinson going in against Luke Blackledge. It's all about Dubois, really. What's he got to do for you, Aussie? Just get the knockout and not get injured? Pretty much, yeah. Opponent disappointing. I, I was really, I was looking forward to that Eric Pfeiffer fight. Um, I know bits have gone around. I think Pfeiffer said he was going to come out and say a few things, but um, didn't follow through with his statements. Um, ultimately, thing was is that his team forgot to submit his MRI scan um, with all the documents that they sent over. Um, so ultimately, you ain't got your MRI scan, then you're not going to get your license to come over here. So it's clearly an admin error. Um, this Snyder's is rubbish, shite. 
uh, and Dubois will blast him out. And it's garbage, he, mate. Absolutely yeah, shite. And it's difficult because they want to get him out ahead of the Joyce fight, which they're planning for in October. And you're naturally limited to who you can get over here. Um, and, and this guy's crap. And we know what it's going to be. It's going to be another spectacular knockout for Dubois. Uh, I envisage no issues, probably inside two rounds. Come out, blast him out, and then go on to Joe Joyce. That's that's the fight we want to see. Um, Edwards, the Sombra will be decent. Um I think the last time we saw Edwards was against was it against uh, Marcel Braithwaite, and he was dropped in that. Um, not hurt, but certainly dropped. Uh, a somber's a tough night for anybody. Look, Edwards should win uh, and win comfortably. But if he's not if he's not on his game, a somber will cause problems. He's no mug. Um, boxed at the Olympics, certainly caused a few upsets before. Tough nut. Um, it'd be an, it'd be I think it'd be a wide points win for Sonny Edwards. Um, but if he's not on his game, like I said, a somber will be there and won't go away. Uh, fight of the night is Maxwell Hughes. This is a great fight. I'm really looking forward to this. Um, certainly a pick and one. Uh, I'm siding with Joe Hughes. He's operated at a better level. A um, couple of close losses that easily could have been wins on that record. Maxwell, a bit flatters to deceive, really. He was getting beaten up off that French guy. Until yeah, he was, wasn't he? Yeah, the guy, got, and then the guy got all cocky, and then Maxwell pulled out a brilliant. Finish. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> you, know, you, can, you can only praise it, but I'm going to side with Joe Hughes on this because look, he, he's got the experience. I just think he's the better fighter. Um, this certainly won't phase him. He's in the away corner. Means fuck all anyway. The away corner this time because nobody's there. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think Hughes will win that on points. Uh, and then I think Hutchinson Blackledge is a decent step up for Hutchinson. Uh, Blackledge has operated at Commonwealth, British level. Um, certainly not the fighter he was a few years back uh, and has now gone into the like away corner fighter. But Hutchinson needed this step up. We've seen him. It's been too long now for a guy that's highly touted, um, had an excellent amateur background and good pedigree. We, we just don't care about him knocking out these, you know, these bums from abroad. Um, and I think moving him in the step of like a Luke Blackledge, and then if he goes and dispatches him well, I want to be seeing him then fighting for like um, you know British titles, eliminators, things like that. Because look, opportunities are going to be limited, and no one wants to see you know, like I said, journeyman coming over and just getting beaten up. Hutchinson's better than that. You deal with Blackledge, you certainly move on to the domestic titles. And then David Adelaide's being added. I think he's going to fight Phil Williams, from what I've been told, who's just mm. tough, tough as old boots. Uh, third fight for Adelaide, which is fine. You know, you're not expecting, you know, like a 2 0 prospect to be in with these, um, you know, like bigger names type of thing. Just don't put it on telly. Um, you want your four fights to be, you know, I'd rather watch naturally Dubois because, you know, he's exciting, the opponent's crap. But then I'd rather watch the other three. And maybe see Sam Noakes if he's in with a better opponent. I'd rather just see Adelaide tick over, blast his opponent out, and then that's it done. But I'd say this is certainly one of the bet what Frank's probably better card out the four at the moment um, that he's done. It's a shame the Dubois opponent fell through, but that is out of the proponents' hands. You can't do anything about that. And look, fight opponents do fall through. We saw that with uh, the Cullen opponent when it was Jason Quigley. He pulled out on the eve of the announcement and never really gave a reason until you know he was went off chasing Canelo, which has completely been a waste of time. But the rest of it is good. 
Um, Warren's going to announce three more shows coming up, which there's some good fights on. Um, Sadiq, Umar Sadiq, Lerone Richards is happening. Anthony Kakachi against Woodstock. Leon Woodstock is happening. Yeah, I've been told Denzel Bentley, Mark Heffron is done, which is a great mm -hmm. fight. Look forward to that. Um, Echo Esserman is going to fight that Cedric Payno, you know, who Conor Ben was in <laughs> with. So I think that, um, but it's not a bad one for Esserman. Um, he's only, he's in, look, he's at English level, um, and Payno's known. So I, I don't mind that. And look, Payno caused a few issues. Um, Anthony Yard is going to fight Dex Spellman um, as a comeback fight ahead of basically a warm up for the Lyndon Arthur fight. Uh, Jack Massey could well be fighting Jordan Thompson in the cruiserweight battle. I think Thompson's eleven and oh, Massey is well. We saw Massey's like fifteen and one, and then there's some other fights to be announced as well. But those sort of fights are the ones that we want to be seeing more consistently, um, rather than you know some of the stuff that we saw early on. But I think promoters are learning, etc. You know, to deal with the conditions. And fingers crossed that if fans are allowed back in now some of the bigger name fighters and the bigger shows might start to return and that might well start with Dubois and Joyce in October. Andy, just touching back on Daniel Dubois' fight against this Ricardo Schneiders. He's coming over from Holland. He follows in the footsteps of a long lineage of strong Dutch visitors starting in 1991 when John Emmon came over to fight Frank Bruno, mm -hmm. got knocked out in the first round and never can we forget the Dutch Sonny Liston, Richel Hersissia, came over in 2004 on the BBC to fight 14-0 Audley Harrison for the esteemed World Boxing Foundation heavyweight title. Hersissia got knocked out in the fourth round. Will Schneiders fare any better than these esteemed countrymen? Absolutely fucking not. No chance. Dubois is going to walk through this guy like he wasn't even there. He's going to be a ghost. His soul is going to evaporate in front of us as well. He's slow as fuck. His punches are short. He can't land shots and stuff. like Dubois will keep him in the... He, Put it this way, Dubois can do what he wants, when he wants, how he wants. It's up to him how he wants to finish this fight and how he wants to do it. Um, if he wants to work on a few things, this might be the perfect guy to do it. Just take just take off, wee bit off the punches, because this guy is going to go, I agree with Ozzy, I say no less than three rounds. This guy is getting absolutely erased. He's garbage, absolute garbage. Absolute garbage, Rob. And if you'll be... Sitting up for this one, uh, we've seen Fujimoto, we've seen Ebenezer, Tete. This is going to be—it's <laughs> going to be another walkover for Big Dan, isn't it? I mean, I'm firmly on the Daniel Dubois hype train after the Garmin win, but you have to be giving me better guys than fucking Fujimoto and the boys. Like, I understand <laughs> that they don't want to risk him. Oh, that was terrible. Like, fucking Blofeld for fucking James Bond. Like, he's looking for the deck <laughs> before he fucking landed. Um, <laughs> Billy Dilly White—he didn't know it though. Yeah. No, but like I understand I'm not wanting to take a risk with Dubois either because you got to get him to the Josh fight. Like, so you maybe don't want him looking bad or whatever, giving an opponent. But I know the, the opponent that he was lined up to fight was certainly decent and coming fancy in the job. Like, but you can understand I'm not getting a license because an MRI scan. If there's any glitch on it or any kind of findings on it and they don't know about it and they've just let him fight anyway and then he fights Daniel Dubois, you know, the outcome could be fucking the magic for hours too much there. Like, So we get to see him roll over a guy and just roll on to October. I don't think it's a fucking tough fight for him in October. Like, If, if he comes through the Joyce fight, you can start really getting excited about Dubois, I think. But uh, for the moment, 
And then Ozzy gave a way better breakdown than I could about any of the domestic steps, to be honest with you. So, um, we'll leave it leave it there. But yeah, I have to expect a quick uh, turnover. But then BT Sport, Frank, and all they're doing the job with the water building them. Frank is savvy to the internet now. He knows what the internet is. So he's uh, in his interviews, he's talking about his hits on the YouTube channel and stuff. So if Dubois goes out and puts his head, put his head in the tent row, in the bubble there or wherever, um, it's going to look good on the internet. It's going to help build the anticipation for the George fight. Not much anticipation, what I wouldn't have thought, because the fight will probably be taking <laughs> place at about 20 to 1 in the morning. Yeah, probably, yeah. Yeah, by the time Frank starts, that fight at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, like the Guru <laughs> and West Loop. All the anticipation would have ended up in a few cans of Stella and a, a fast asleep on the sofa. Fight, like. Remember the Ryder Saunders fight? Like, me and me dad were watching the fights, just sitting in, man, and the old man's time to fucking flag, man, about 11 o'clock. It's fucking about the time. There's about three fights to go, and like, relax, really, we wait and see. <laughs> I know, Boy and Peters always used to say to me, stick on the main event about half nine. Nobody's watching after that, they're all falling asleep. That's the time to get the sort of crossover viewers, the type of Channel 5 viewers like me and Ozzy were talking about earlier. Anyway, Dubois shall motor on, we think, past Schneiders. We shall also motor on to Belly of the Weeks for episode 387. Rob's here, Ozzy's here, Andy's here with me, Steve. We'll be finishing up. The chat seems to have fallen asleep, I think. Bayern Munich are winning 1-0. The, that, uh, fight, <laughs> that match must be almost over now. Full anyway, Oh, is it finished, yeah? Congratulations. Yeah, well done to Bayern the Munich. The Germans. The Germans. Yes. The Germans have landed. Uh, the week. Fucking, <laughs> fucking Paris. I hate Paris Saint-Germain. Fuck them, man. Get it absolutely around you. Shout out to our French listeners. Yes, episode 38. No, 387, fuck, sorry. Fuck the French. <laughs> the week. Fuck the French. Uh, first nomination. Uh, Callum was on Twitter talking about uh, his depression. Fowles jumps in, been nominated by J.S. Park again. Anthony Fowler jumps in on the situation. Hello, Callum. Sorry to see this post. I've been tagged in. I hope you're feeling better. I'd love to offer you some free CBD products from at Supreme underscore CBD. Never lets an opportunity ride does older. Fowles there with CBD. One from you, Andy. Yes. Coming in here. This is uh, BoxingScene.com, uh, Rolly Romero from last week. I won that fight, no problem. Oh, Hard right. to KO somebody that won't engage at all. I'll say one thing for Romero. He has turned heel and he's using it to his advantage. He's becoming the bad guy, which is the right thing to do in this situation. An absolute fucking sp- spanner of a man, that, by the way. I, I just just give the guy the rematch, need bullshit and stuff, and get it done right. And by, work with... I actually, I, I actually sent John Evans a tweet actually to show Billy Graham as well as he, he's seen him doing some pad work with, I don't know if it's his dad or his trainer that in the fucking gym and he's trying to be all Floyd Mayweather and that. He's fucking garbage at it, man. Just work on the fundamentals, get your jab working and just fold the right hand behind it. Just work on that because whatever you're getting fed in that gym just now, man, it's just, it's not enough. You are shite to watch. And he's, he's, spoken. He's, he's got a decent punch, I will say that, but mm. it's... it's Against he, who, though? I mean, he hasn't exactly. beaten anybody. Uh, as I said, I think that was his first step up to 12 rounds as well for an eight-rounder, I think it was. He needs seasoning badly, and for, um, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't rate him at this point. I'm not saying he's not going to be coming good, but off what I've seen him, it's, that is shit, man. He needs to be in his fucking far better training. Yeah, well said. Uh, Chris Van Heerden has tweeted out, I still have fight left in me. I still have a dream and a fire that inspires me. I'm a hard fight for anyone at 147, and they know it. Just give me a fair shot and I can prove myself. Hashtag Team Van Heerden. David Friend jumped in and said, would like to see you in with Crawford. (laughs) (laughs) He may be the only one, I would think. David Almond nominated him for that one. 
Uh, Phil, who was on the call earlier, has nominated James Callan. Taylor versus Pursuit is worth the £20 alone, says James, who probably didn't watch the main event <laughs> after spending his £20. Kakashi has been nominated by Mr. Anderson. Seeing as Dillian White is trending, he is a bad man when confronted. Hashtag White Povetkin. Well, Povetkin pretty much confronted him in that fifth round. And uh, we all saw what ended up there. Zeconomics has nominated Frank Warren. Warren tweeted out Daniel Dubois finishing, I think it was Kajanu, and he tweeted out, throwback to when an opponent poked their tongue out at Daniel Dubois and ended up falling on their own leg. So Frank there, Rob, stealing a bit of Toyan Booth patter. He's he's down with the kids now, is Frank Warren? No, it's all about the internet now. I don't know if he'd be a big fan of Toyan Booth if he's listened to the way he gets described on the channel or maybe he just has a crack about it. You know what I mean? I think Frank is a geezer, man. I, I definitely prefer Frank than Eddie, like, but that's not, you know what I mean? What kind of choice have you got there, like? <laughs> I know, exactly. It's like picking between the electric chair and the, the lethal injection, isn't it? <laughs> exactly, baby. Good old Frank. I don't think he's running his Twitter, but we love Frank these days. Uh, the Bullet 79 says, leave Tony alone to enjoy his family and friends. This is off the back of the WBC announcing they've put Tony Bellew in charge of their new committee regarding <laughs> the possible creation of a new weight class, Andy, between cruiserweight and heavyweight. How's Tony going to find the time for this? I don't know, mate. He just went left alone, so I don't know why. how he's going to find the time. Um Hopefully, if he's going to make a, make a suggestion in that, then we get the cruiserweight division down to 190. Uh, it might push some of the bigger cruiserweight guys to go up to heavyweight. But I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's just, just leave it. A, we need less divisions. Go back. I think you could go down to at least... What is there, how many is it against? Is there, how many divisions is it against? Is it 17? 16? 16, I was going to say. 16. I could be wrong. Um, I think, I know, I it's think the reason they're doing it is for health, though, isn't it? Like, no, it's not. There's for... fucking mere sanctioning fees. I mean, the fucking w... like, between oh, the WBA, like... between the WB and WBC, they've got eight title holders at one thirty-five. I know all that, but like, we don't give a shit about the titles at this stage anyway. Like, I mean, if if it's saving a fella, if that's two seventy beating a lad that's two twenty to death, do you know what I mean? Like, it's like there is unfair match matchups in the heavyweight with complete, like, weight classes out the window. Like, you're going to be giving up three stones to someone, like, potentially. So, it's fucking... I don't know, man. Do you know what I mean? I, I mean, you go to do it in 10 divisions. Fuck this, man. I mean, they need mid divisions. We need left divisions. Because at the end of the day... See, as I said last week, Steve, I forget who it was, but Benavidez. These fuckers cheat the weight constantly to try to cram themselves into the smallest division possible. If you actually had proper testing, i.e. maybe rehydration test, to see, uh, okay, this guy's re uh, dehydrated. He he shouldn't be fighting. He should be fighting more, maybe like, maybe five, ten pounds north of what he's at just now, because he's just depleting himself. He's washing out all his fucking nutrients and liquids and stuff like that. This guy, this guy's basically you, you can't do that. So I think I think rather than just like say drug tests, need rehydration tests. These guys should be fighting at least sometimes six, seven pounds heavier than what they're fighting at. <laughs> It's a fucking joke. I, I, I mean, agree. I agree. I agree, Rob. Rob, I was just going to say, I agree with what Andy's saying there, but you've raised, like, the literal elephant in the room. It's something I've wondered about for a long time. I think whenever Wilder came in so low, it was either the first or second Fury fight. I thought to myself, you know, if, if, if you had a guy ballooning up from lightweight to welterweight or whatever, people go exactly. mad. But you literally have, like, three or four weight classes spanned in some of these heavyweight fights. Exactly. All bets are off. Like, so I think from a safety point of view, I'd say it would make sense. And I think it would make a cracking division. And you could call it the Red Hot Dreadnought Division. And <laughs> Bellew will definitely get to the bottom of it. And there definitely will be no dopers in the new WBC Dreadnought Division. Because Tony, who is so adamantly 
against doping in boxing would not be seen to be associated with something like that or commentate on the main card between two non-juicers. <laughs> so I don't know how they're going to how, how he's going to fit this into a schedule, man. I mean, Jesus Christ, like, could he take on any more venue? Like, fucking hell, man. It's like it's beyond the parody of what we used to call it, like that he'd be at the opening of an envelope. He's fucking everywhere, man. Tony <laughs> Bellew. He's seen him more since he retired than he was when he was a fighter. Fucking hell, it's a long time since he fucking bounced over Mackenzie's head off the canvas, I'll tell you that. <laughs> fucking <laughs> hell, man. He's everywhere. Is it is it Andy uh, regarding the weight division? Are they generally thinking of calling it the dreadnought division, or is that like a slang thing? Everyone's taking the piss out of it. No, there was there was some some guy at WBC convention actually proposed that was the name of a new division. I th- I thought that I thought the, the way they were talking that it was going to be a division over heavyweight, but the way they're talking now is just talking about a division between cruiserweight and heavyweight. Which what is it? But, but you know what, what is the? You know, there's even a bigger difference about twenty pounds minimum, really, kind of heavyweight. Between that and cruiserweight, I mean, Wilder comes in usually. Two hundred to two twenty-five, is it? Yeah, but I'm just trying to think. Like, who, who's the lightest heavyweight at the minute? It could maybe make cruiserweight. Maybe Wilder. Wilder, Wilder. I think. Yeah, no. but then you, you look at Wilder. I mean, where's that? Where's that extra fifteen pounds going to come from? Could he, you think could, about it? could he make? Could he make cruiserweight? Hunter. Even? Who mate? Hunter. 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 Yeah. Usyk, obviously. That Babich last night, he looked quite small, didn't he? Yeah. Dillian White, if he got on the super juice, <laughs> super shakes. Nah, he needs to go on the fucking uh, the dialyte stuff, you know. Thing is, is dreadnought. Is that not like a, a naval term or something? Like it's like the old pirate ships, isn't it? Um, dreadnought, HMS, HMS dreadnought's an old navy ship, isn't it? Yeah, that's, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, I, Saul Farah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Saul Farah's campaigning for the new uh, weight class. That opens oh. up a whole new opportunities for him. Uh, what's his? What's the other guy called? Steve, who he's... Hermani. Oh, yes, it's Caesar Mamani. Or Edmund yes, Tabbabari. Yeah. <laughs> they they don't fuck about over there. They would have the heavyweight title and the cruiserweight title on the line in the same fight. As far as refereeing as well. <laughs> With as well as Bobby. <laughs> Just think about, how, think about the lows and highs we've had in quarantine. We were so low a few months ago, we were covering all fire fights looking for content. And then last night we had the upset in the air, like absolutely brilliant. Sandwich in between Fury and Wild Lula. It's been a great road to success. Let's get on with Bell of the Week's boy. JG has nominated David Taylor. Taylor says, I've been a casual boxing fan for 60 years. It's about time all the heavyweight belts were stripped and a fight off created where Dillian gets a fair shot, not another final eliminator. He needs a fair shot, says David Taylor. We took a fair shot last night. I don't think he's getting any. <laughs> you fucking savage, Steve Owens. You fucking savage. Oh, well, he's an assassin. <laughs> oh, savage Willens, man. Fuck yeah. Just came to me. What about Steve Bunce, Andy? He's been nominated here by David Almond. Odd how so many of the people knocking Dillian White in my indie sport column back Trump, tweet with casual racism about immigrants and back the clown Boris. I had a look, scary, just saying. Don't mix, mix politics with football, Bunce. Sounds like a desperate man with that tweet. Yeah, well, I hear that. He's a, he's a troll. He knows what he's doing with it and stuff. He knows he's going to get a few bites off that, so maybe that's what he's done at the end of the day, but who knows? Mm. Bunce being Bunce at the end of the day. Once she... Bunce is quite sensitive, actually. He, he, he doesn't like criticism, um, even though he disguises it pretty well when he's talking, but on Twitter and that, he just can't handle it. He, just, he can't handle the bants. Can't handle the bants, Bunce. Come on, lad. A trade into the boxing has nominated uh, Dominic Ingle. 
uh, on Instagram, not being funny, uh, someone was giving Dominic a pat on the back for his, uh, bre- uh, what is it, groundbreaking meal plans or something. He said, I'm not being funny, but it's just a poached egg on toast with some asparagus. You don't need Ingalls cookbook for that one. And he's actually right, Andy, I have it in front of me on Instagram. Someone's going, uh, swipe up, big up to Dominic Ingle, and he's basically got asparagus on toast on a plate. So um, if that's the criteria, maybe we could do the old beans on toast or something and, and bring it to a side cookbook. That'd be amazing, mate. I certainly would. Uh, Eddie Venom Brock, belly of the week for him. No disrespect, but why am I here when the boxing voice is on? Good question. But you ain't here no more. So I just blocked your ass. Yeah, fuck off. Of him. <laughs> Had to block him for that. Ungrateful cunt, man. You get us for yeah. fucking nothing. Cheeky bastard. Go off to the boxing voice then. Didn't even know that was still going. I've never fucking actually listened to that. Nest the grass. You go and listen to that grass, by the way. Somebody who wore a wire to get his mates touched up and put in jail for a cocaine deal he was, was the moment to do a fucking prison time for. Ness, you're a grass. You're a grass. Uh, Philip Ginley, biggest uh, Anthony Fowler fan in the world, has been nominated by Sam Dorset for getting a team machine tattoo on his bicep as uh, boxing tattoos go. It doesn't look the worst, but yeah, you should have got CBD killer tattoos on his neck or something. That would have set the men against the boys. You ain't no super fan, Philip. You need to up your game. Uh, nomination from Gary Kavanagh for Donald Trump. Uh, shout out to the great Ernie Holmes, says Donald, <laughs> a forgotten heavyweight champion. Uh, maybe because his name is actually Larry, says uh, Alex McClintock. <laughs> so, <laughs> nomination for Big Donald there. Who was a big boxing fan back in the day, Andy? Trump Kavanagh in Atlantic City, ringside for many a fight, so he should know better. Yeah, he had, um, well, yeah, he had the, the casinos. You know, I think he had, uh, hosted Duran against fucking David Moore, I'm sure. A lot of Ali fights and that. Ah, big, uh, big Donny liked his liked his boxing and stuff, and he's fucking boxing for his career now actually as well. Can you imagine if he if he wins this uh, this re-election? By the way, the world was going to fucking burn to the ashes. <laughs> by the way, it's going to be glorious. It'll be carnage everywhere. Maybe a return to boxing. Who knows? A friend of the pod, Sam Chatwin, shout out to Sam, throwing in a few super stickers last night as well. Belly of the week for Shannon Courtney, putting out a statement saying it was an unfair decision against Rachel Ball that most had her winning uh, nomination. Oh, we've got a good one here. This is so good. I've put it together to play it. This was sent in by many people, including Marcus Bellinger and Ian at Captain Chunk 17. Uh, Chris Mannix on the fight camp edition of Jabs on DAZN USA was live with Gareth A. Davis and he came up with this one. I've put a little viewer discretion in case you're offended at the beginning. So let's let's, let's hear what Chris Mannix had to say to Gareth A. Davis. You know, it's funny. I think in the US, he is somewhat underrated because I think there are a lot of people that lump Dillian White into the kind of Dominic Brazil, Andy Ruiz, you know, mid-fringe contender type of status. When, to your point, I don't think that could be further from the truth. I mean, think about it. In his second fight after losing Anthony Joshua, he went out and fought Dave Allen, who's a solid fighter and not somebody that a lot of fighters coming off a loss like that would take on right away. Go down the list, as you just did. He fought some top-level guys. (laughs) <laughs> What's up, What's you? Get your ass in here, Ozzy. You fucking speak up right now. I want to hear your thoughts on this. Well, well, it pissed me off. I just, I did Two years ago, when he was on about, he wouldn't even know who Dave Allen is. Like I said, this guy, Allen wasn't even on the scene then. 
And I replied to this and said, he's not got a fucking... Alan's best win at the time was against Fabrice Orieng. was like a French champion at best. So how the hell he can say, oh, White made the step up and coming off a loss against Joshua, two fights, and he fought Dave Allen. And Dave Allen, who hadn't even operated above English level at the time. So he's absolute bollocks. And he got called out, I mean, it was just a complete myth. He then basically defended White for turning down fights against Pulev, Ortiz and Joshua saying, just because you turn down a, a fight because of the finances doesn't mean you don't want it or doesn't mean you duck. Well, why did the majority of fights not happen? Cash. That means basically the majority of people have never ducked a fight in their life. This guy is a clown and he's one of the these days chiming rubbish and telling people it's like what what they want to hear or what they're trying to direct them to. And he essentially used Dave Allen as a prime example as to why Dillian White is underrated. Therefore, that point is not valid. That point is wrong. And he should not be given this platform again. It's a disgrace. And I invite him onto the podcast. I invite him onto the podcast and he can explain his points. And if I agree with it, which is very unlikely, we might be able to have a conversation. But otherwise, he will be then open to interpretation from the rest of the panel. But he has an invite to come and explain himself um, to our thousands of listeners each week. And let's see what he says. Will he accept the invitation? Will he make the journey or will he not? Yeah, Chris. Yes, Chris. Mr. Mannix. Are going to come on? Come on with these numbers we're doing, Andy. It's like nothing he's ever seen before. Listen, mate, we're, we're drawing so much money these days that we can actually pay for him to come on the podcast. Yeah. But we won't because we're men of principle. Exactly. Absolutely. We give, we give, we give our money to the homeless and the needy. The homeless. Yeah. Chuck, where is Chuckoo, by the way, on that point? <laughs> See, he's, he's working in the local shelter and that, so we'll catch him later. Uh, good lad is Chuckoo. Giving out soup. Eggy Phil says, Dave Allen's had more media stories and promotion than the Yorkshire Ripper. <laughs> <laughs> the Ripper, you know, he has a fleeting association with boxing. We'll not get into that right now. Uh, Kevin Chase has nominated that twat Adam Smith for being on earlier. No, he hasn't. Not Paul Smith. He said that twat Adam Smith, Bellew of the Week, for claiming Frank Warren contacted Eddie because he wants a piece of the Matchroom Square Garden. Uh, Liam has said nomination for your man Gabe on the post-fight pod last night for saying that the first time Povetkin has shown heart in a fight by getting up off the floor twice. He's obviously forgetting the five times he got off the deck like a coiled spring against Vlad. I forgot Gabe was on the podcast last night until someone mentioned it to be on Twitter that fucking Gabe last night. Gabe's on the pod, was he? I fucking forgot <laughs> about it. Oh, I was, I was wired to fuck last night. Like It was tremendous. He did. He signed off with a crying like a little bitch and then he exited stage left. Oh, brilliant. I need to go back and listen to it now. Yeah, go back and listen. It's on YouTube, everybody. It's on the iTunes feed, Patreon feed. It's on every feed you can find. Uh, Ted Barrett has nominated Timo Stone. Adam Smith is arguably the best boxing commentator ever, but anyone but Macklin alongside him, please, the Danny Mills of boxing commentary. Mm. Oh, dear. <laughs> Danny Mills of commentary. <laughs> <laughs> and he also said Bean is the greatest of all time. The goat oh, on commentary. Oh. Bean! <gasps> oh, man, flip. Bean! Could have been, could have been, should have been, never been. Bait bean, creepy bean. Beanie. Rumple still skin. We're on to you. We're on to you, Beanie. On to you, Bean. 
Uh, David Almond nominated Callum Smith. After three years of using CBD, we have decided to do our own. It's helped us, our family and our friends in so many ways. So we can't wait to help others. Please retweet, support and follow at CBD Vape, Vape Russ for discount codes and weekly competitions. Yes, indeed. The Smith Brothers CBD Oil 2000 MG Broad Spectrum. <laughs> there's, there's no there's no been water. <laughs> I'm not going to touch that one. <laughs> <laughs> Get yourself on that, Andy. Oh, hey, I'm with everything in the room, mate. I'm fucking, oh. Pills, powder. No, I'm joking, obviously. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, Gary Reed. Uh, Belly of the week for Boxwreck having Povetkin's window as a TKO. You couldn't get a more convincing KO. But <laughs> <laughs> listen, Boxwreck has still got that as a TKO. Apparently, <laughs> if, you, if, if you didn't count to 10, it's no classes of knockout. What <laughs> the fuck are you What's talking about? What's the point about? in that? What is the point? That was like that's like that's like knockout of the year, like just slightly behind uh, no, no, the behind uh, Rosario against uh, against Julian Williams. That's that was like knockout of the year so far. Yeah. Think about it. You know what I mean? Because you think of the KO, they're like you're KO'd, you're banged out. They're not you know, the chances are they're gonna dispense with the count early, so I don't understand that criteria. I mean you could have counted to next Wednesday, the fucking the white was double lying there, man. <laughs> In Eddie's if, garden. Oh, well, you could have dug a hole. Putting out bins. You could have dug a hole in the back garden and buried them. Yeah. Dillian, make sure you put the recycling bin on Tuesday, will you? <laughs> well, he's fought enough men, men, I suppose. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> um, <laughs> Tyson Fury's like, you big toss. <laughs> Cut my grass at the same time, you fucking bum. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, Des Watson has nominated Matthew Macklin for saying Povetkin never won a round. Can we make it two weeks oh, in a row? Oh, no. Fuck. <laughs> uh, yeah. But I, I had that one as well on my list, actually. Povetkin never won a round. <laughs> fuck me, man. What happened in round five again? Tell me. <laughs> fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, Sam Chatwin, uh, nomination for David Hay on IFL, saying White wasn't given a count when Fury was, and it wasn't fair. Fury was not comatose. The referee, Jack Reese said Fury was awake when he looked into his eyes. So, belly of the week for David Hay for saying that D- Dillian White deserved a count. Why was sleeping by the time he actually, like... See the picture you put up on that Russian national anthem, by the way? It was brilliant because I thought, like, we looked, looked at White, White's face at that moment. It looks like he was petting her having a shit. <laughs> <laughs> that was a man's way. soul leaving the body, wasn't it? Oh, that you can see this oozing <laughs> out the air, just evaporating into the night sky, uh, and that. Eddie hairs like that. Bellew's crying. Gringer's like, fucking can't believe it. I mean, think about it as well. You know. Tony Bellew's like almost crying, but he never heard <laughs> once mentioned about these two being drugs cheats as well. You know, Tony's like that. Nah, I said last we'll night, man. You Bean and Macklin, like they're at a wake or something. I thought they were going to burst into <laughs> tears, but I mean, I don't know why I'm enjoying this so much, but it's actually quite funny. <laughs> it's fucking brilliant. It's, I mean, listen, we, we, when we fuck up and make and maybe make a mistake in that, people usually give us shit and that, whatever that. So it's good to give them and the fucking like, eh. The mainstream, so to speak. Public like, eye, yeah. Yeah, just... I mean, honestly, Sky are an embarrassment these days. And that, honestly, I mean, hopefully they didn't renew that, that fucking deal with Eddie, like, and they, they, they open it up to everybody else because it's just... This isn't working for me. I mean, Eddie... You know, I'm not getting it, but obviously we're going to get the Bellies of the Week thing stuff, but it's just not working for me at the minute. 
Yeah, no, Andy's right. If you give it, you got to take it, and we certainly certainly get it, and you got to give it out to the mainstream as well. Right, I have had a few coming in on Twitter, so I'm going to yes. be reading these. I'm going to be reading these out. So one was from Dave Batty at Duke Dave. He said, Belly of the Week for the Guru, stinking out his local car park. Hashtag cleverly Bell you too. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Guru, getting that one. Uh, Phil has nominated Canelo Fanboy for saying that Canelo uh, was the closest to beating Mayweather. I think that's a, a spoof account, to be honest. And Sam Dorsey has nominated somebody. Quite a long thread, so I'm not going to go through that now. But I'll take your word for it, Sam. I know you're always good for a Belly of the Week or two. Uh, somebody else has just pulled me in here. It's... Uh, Check left hook. We've been nominated six times. LFC one. Let's have a look here, Andy. While we're while we're live on air, uh, who's the fat cunt on the right? Says six times LFC. Oh, and Tommy's tagged me, and so there you go. I've been <laughs> bought into the fight either way. Uh, have you got any nominations, Andy? Yeah, I've got a few, mate. So uh, Sky Sports Boxing on the August the eighteenth for tweeting out that that video of Dylan White laughing his bollocks off with a caption: "When someone suggests you fight Daniel Dubois instead of your mandated world title shot." Oh, that aged like a fine wine. It's beautiful. It's like my fucking bottle of whiskey for last night. £16.50 from Lidl. Ben Bracken. Beautiful. Uh, the Zone they won't accept or approve Yavne Yildirim against Canelo Alvarez as next opponent. The Zone just really going to shit on that. So uh, Skipper needs to get his fucking snifter out of that fucking bing of chingy he's got, actually. So come on, Skipper. <laughs> you get that shit fixed. Oscar! Coming out of retirement at age 47. Ugh. And he's now, he's now been touted as well, Steve, for fighting Sergio Martinez after that fight at <laughs> the weekend. Yes. Someone yes, yes. has got to go. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Oh, fucking hell. Some habits got to go. Um, Keith Furman. Uh, St. Terence Crawford hasn't earned any respect at 147, which is fair enough. But then he's come back and said that he wanted a 5 million. I think it was 5 million he wanted minimum to sign the top rank, and then 10 million to fight Crawford. I mean, fuck's sake. You need fans for that type of shite. I don't know what uh, cloud he's living in Thurman, but you you want to enter that world, don't you? He's in oh. Chuck, he's on the Chuck Crew stuff. No, he's he, no no Chuck was very emphatic last night. He doesn't smoke that stuff, but yeah, he, no, he, he was to be fair. But he's on the Cookie Dog, Def, Cookie Dog, Lemon Haze, Applejack. He's smoking oh, some fucking weapons grade with that yeah. shit. Like, I mean, he's he he, he he's yeah, at K two base camp. The new actually, that's what he is. That cunt. Uh, and I've got one other one. I well, you know, Pivot uh, White for getting knocked out last night, which was funny. Uh, Hernandez getting knocked out as well, which was also <laughs> funny. Fuck me, man. Uh, but Bo- Bob Arum just fucking just steps forward, gummies in the mouth, smoking a fucking toke. Says Dylan White was so busy fighting for his WC- WBC mandatory position that he didn't see Pavekin's uppercut, which knocked him cold on his ass. <laughs> <laughs> and he also, he also I would, yeah, I added something else actually. London like, Bridges or something, wasn't uh, it? That's what it's pool level KO Joshua Nicks. London bridges are falling down, and um, this one late fake Canelo fanboy, unpopular opinion. At age just twenty three, well before his prime, Canelo was the closest to KO to KOing uh, Mayweather. I know many of you uh, know it, but you're afraid to say it and/or admit it. Hashtag stanky leg. Yeah, I think that's a troll account. He, he showed a little gift, didn't he, of him landing yeah. a jab or something? I think that's bullshit. Yeah. So we'll put that one in there as well, but just for a bit of balance. But uh, no, I'm 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 batting heavy for either Mannix or Macklin this week, like. Yeah, Macklin's had another bad week, but he won it last week, so we don't want to give him too many awards. So he might need them. Who knows? Uh, Ozzy, any nominations from you? Uh, uh, so the first one is for Jay Wood. 
Yes. Who, oh, yes. Jake Wood tweeted out saying, uh, at Sky Sports Boxing, uh, I feel so bad for at Dillian White. Over a thousand days mandatory and now a shock loss to Bebekin. Toughest sport in the world. Everything is wrong about this tweet. For a start, he was not mandatory for a thousand days. Being ranked number one is different to being the mandatory. And again, was it a shock? Not as much, but the gripe there is fucking a thousand days mandatory because it's just not the case. Are they and counting back another... to that Hellenius silver title, Aussie? Is that what it is? Yeah, I think it must be, yeah. I don't know. Mm. It must be, yeah. yeah that's must not be. true. Yeah. must yeah. be. How many years they're claiming that? That's absolute bullshit. Um, they're so, still yeah, peddling so that shit today on Twitter, mate. They're still peddling that shit today. Oh, he's been mandatory now for like a thousand odd days and yeah. stuff. And you've got yeah. Sky tweeting out about Dylan White aging process and all that sort of a load of It works, though. It works because I have them in a WhatsApp group with lads I used to go to school with, and they're all football fans, but they would occasionally dabble in the boxing. And I have to keep muting it because, you know, you, you don't want to go in as like the wanker who sort of knows everything. They're actually going, I can't believe it. You know, he should have got his shot. It's not fair, blah, blah, blah. So it does work, the propaganda. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, just so Gorbo's made it work, I suppose. Mm. Uh, I'm guessing we picked up Macklin on and his burner account just then as well. Did we? Uh, well, did what we get that account? one? No, no. What, what ah, right. is this? What's this? Yeah. So, so I put it in the I put it in the WhatsApp as well. So Macklin has, um, has oh, tweeted it, out get and he's replied me. to a comment and he has said. In uh, inverted commas, I also see that they tried pulling him out. If you translate what was said at the end of the fourth, I see a Russian post on here today saying something along the lines of, you can't keep taking shots, they become more powerful. Are you okay to continue? So I doubt at Mac Macklin is lying. So he's clearly forgot to switch accounts and has wrote the tweet, which was defending himself on his same account, and he's tagged himself <laughs> in it. <laughs> I know he's just replying to people saying lol and like, you know, like those hiding faces and stuff like that. So he's clearly forgot to switch accounts and has, uh, has done that instead and has tagged himself in his own tweet, defending my, himself. My WhatsApp is like fucking... I've, I've got about 200 messages in my WhatsApp. Like, what the fuck is going on here, man? Who, who would have thought that Matthew Macklin would have had access to burner Twitter accounts? Oh, no. I mean... It, it wouldn't be like Eddie logging in accounts now as well, you know. Oh, why? Which is a shame, actually, because uh, you know, Matt can talk, you know, decent boxing and stuff. But when you, yeah, when you, when you, when you sell it, listen, what is wrong with having a different opinion or calling it how you see it? I mean, Jim, you know, for all that, for, you know, for all his faults, Jim Watt, you know, bingo and all that sort of stuff. At least Jim fucking seen that he called it how he seen it, Ian Dark, Glenn McCrory, yeah. You know, um, there's some other guys. Barry McGuigan would have called it how he's seen it as well. You know, uh, Paul Dempsey, David Haiti had a degree as well. If you can just go off, would Barry have called it a robbery, Andy? Eh? <laughs> I don't know what I mean, though. You know, just... <laughs> you're right, Andy, as well. When Macklin first came on the scene as like um, as a co-commentator, I thought he was excellent. He called it as it is. He didn't mind, you know, like going against the away against the home fighter. I thought he was excellent and a real good addition. Uh, and I put him in. I put him in the category as, you know, like Malinaji, who literally will call it as he sees it. And like when Buatzi knocked out, was it Reynold Quinlan? He he said live on Sky, he went, he went. I don't know why they're bringing in the likes of Reynold Quinlan on like a week's notice. 
give him a full camp and Boazzi will still smash him to bits. And that's great. That's what you want. Now it's a case of they get they come on, they impress people. Andy Clark was the same as well. Andy yeah. Clark was excellent at what he does. He came on, it was refreshing to hear a Sky main commentator well, call, the fight, call it as it was. After that, it's like he's been swayed and says, no, your agenda is to basically push the home fighter. And it happens. John Rawlings the same. The best thing about Box Nation was, was the commentary. They didn't care about swearing. You'd hear the corners. And the two commentators, regardless of whether it's home or away fighter, they'd call it as it is. It's like the mainstream TV channels in Sky and BT just want commentary that is biased towards the home fighter. And that's it. And it's frustrating. And I know we made this point before, but it's frustrating because when you get decent, you know, like you, you do get former fighters that know what they're on about and they make real good points, both technically uh, and just calling the fight as a whole. When the opinion is somewhat swayed, you lose respect for them and think, well, why should I listen to X, Y, and Z when they can't call a fight fair? It does become frustrating. Any nominations from you, Rob, before we wrap it up? Robert. Any nominations, Rob? Uh, oh, I've got one for Adam Smith as well, actually. Sorry. I have one for Adam Smith. Yeah. So Adam Smith, um, at the weigh-in, said you could, um, obviously, between Taylor and Pursuit, they were all masked up and you couldn't really see the faces. And he said that um, you could see the reaction, um, an, an electric reaction on Pursuit's face. Yeah. I'm thinking, well, she's got a fucking mask on. <laughs> so how can you fucking see that? You, you can't see anything. Look at the electric, you know, like the fierce reaction from uh, Delphine Pursuit while she uh, looks at Katie Taylor. You can't see out from her, mate, because she's all covered up. <laughs> so, yeah, so uh, the spin doctor Adam Smith loving, uh, loving another story. Just to weave in there, which again isn't factually true. Yeah, and just another wee, wee mention for uh, for uh, Adam Smith not getting patched off Dave Caldwell like that. By the way, that that is that is just oh, embarrassing. Yeah, that's another one. He got fucking yeah, patched. Completely pied. Completely pied. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rob, anything from you? Bean. I don't think Rob's got anything for us, has he? It's got to be. It's got to be the one for me, Andy. I think I'm going to go for Manix. To be honest, Manix, without doubt, mate. I mean, talk about just bluster and just bollocks, man. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's like he's been talking to Coppinger. Eddie's like saying word to Coppinger, who sent it in on the on the Manix, and he's just like give it to. The thing is to have Ganafi Davis to actually even fucking agree with it. That you know, that just shows him up as well. Uh, oh, by the way, listen, elite, elite entry for uh, for Gareth A. Davis for the IFL interview when he said that White was knocked out before the punch was landed. I mean, what the fuck is all that about? Fucking Gary Gad. Fuck me, man. Aye, but uh, without Mannix for me, man, that was that was bad. I mean, jeez, Dave Allen. Oh, fucking hell. i have to go for Mannix. Who are you going for, Ozzy? Yeah, agree. Completely agree. Mannix. And that invite is still there. <laughs> Rob? Value of the week, 387. We need to get the listeners to start tapping up Manix now and get on the podcast. Not listen, you've been called oh. out, Manix. So let's, let's, uh, let's get it on. Here's Rob. All this is happening. I had to get it together, get it outside. Uh, value of the 
really white. Oh no, Macklin, Macklin for the burn account. Why would you? I've burned that account. Why would you what? Kyle Rob. Swap. I was being taken down by the system here. Yeah, they kind of get to Steve. I mean, listen, mm -hmm. mate, we're, we're still oh, yeah, here. Macklin's Ten years tough. later. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, Macklin's a tough one. Rob's going for Macklin. I think we'll go for Chris Mannix and finish up, shall we? Episode 387. Thanks to everybody who's been on tonight. We've had a good laugh, as always. Thanks for rapping Rob Kelly for joining us. Ozzy Smith, Andy Patterson. Smido is on as well. So is Eggy. Phil, we also had Rames, Mahmood. Good luck to him going forward at the beginning of the show. I've been Steve Wellings. We'll catch you all again for episode 388. Same time, same place next week. Bye. <laughs> Bean. Sports Social Podcast Network.